Podcast, the podcast that strives to conduct the most thorough and worryingly in-depth analysis of beloved American icon Ernest P. Worrell, as portrayed by the multi-talented and devilishly handsome Jim Varney. Oh, the arms that man had. My name is Aaron. I am your host, and this is my lovely co-host, David. Hello, everyone. Hi, David. What's happening? This is episode six, Hey Vern, it's Ernest, disc two. Uh, joining us for this episode is our friend Tom. Thanks a lot for being here, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. How's it going? Pretty good. In this episode of Ernest Goes to Podcast, we will be covering episodes 8 to 13 of the CBS children's series, Haver and It's Ernest. I have more things to say. Good. So if you missed our discussion of disc one, that's episode five, definitely go back and listen if you haven't, because otherwise you will be lost as to who all these zany characters are. We won't go through all the character introductions We will and not be again. reintroducing the neighborhood. <laughs> Tom, are you excited? Did you enjoy your viewing of episodes 8 to 13? Uh, on when I first started viewing them, I did not think I would, and then I started to enjoy them in spite of myself. Yeah, it was a I, bit I of shouldn't a... say in spite of myself. I just genuinely started to enjoy them. Now, Tom, <laughs> did you have any knowledge of Ernest as a character or any of the films before this? Or, um, I mean, I knew they existed. Uh, sure, sure. I'm. I was far too old to be uh, the target audience of them. That seems so. Fair. I was really only aware of the advertising. That yes. He was in. So gotcha. I, I saw that. Well, that's and... classic Ernest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like old school Ernest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like some sort of like Ernest, like <laughs> indie rock, like nonsense. Yeah, like I, I'm I like old school, ignorant of Ernest. Ernest. Yeah, so main- yeah. Ernest is so mainstream now. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this is all about. <laughs> I think that's still his, his best. Oh, yeah. I mean, the ads are basically responsible for us being here right now and talking about this. Yeah. Because that was how we were like, the whole thing. what is this? How they did all this stuff and it's all one take and what's going on? What is he? Who's Vern? What's this? Oh, God. Speaking of who's Vern, there's more and more evidence provided by these episodes that like forms my visual image of Vern. Oh, yes. I wrote down some things about that, all too. All right. All right. All right. Oh, I actually so have some Vern notes as well. <laughs> Before I guess we get into the episodes, Tom, are there any questions that you have in like a broad sense about Ernest? Uh, I mean, if I were to start asking <laughs> questions, I guess I could just. <laughs> There's a lot of questions you can ask gotcha. about Ernest. Is I... there anything you need to ask to continue with the discussion? That's what I'm trying to get at. I, I don't think so. I think they'll all come out in the discussion. Once it starts rolling, I'll be like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what about that? Oh, that reminds me. Huh? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Maybe he, this is a, a good time to mention, though, a thought I had when I was listening to one of your other podcasts when you were talking about the ads that Ernest did. Mm-hmm. That Ernest did. That Jim Varney did. He's real, Tom. He was, <laughs> he's real to me. He's real to me. But, like, he, he started out kind of just wholesale destruction of the products that he oh, was yeah. advertising. Yeah. And then kind of, like, that started to get lost. I was thinking about that. And I think it's a lot like those early Jim Henson uh Oh, like Proto the Kermit. Oh, you're yeah. so coffee right. ads. The- Wilkins Coffee, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the original ones were like, if you don't drink this coffee, I'm going to shoot you in the face with a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't enough you know? advertising that just says, use this product or I will murder you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's kind of subversive. You don't, I you don't uh, normally see that. <laughs> you're right. But apparently it, does- it sold the coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. I think maybe what happened is, you know, that's what everybody wants. Is you know, It's just fun to watch destruction of yeah, property. Yeah. Oh, sure. 
And then when he realized, oh, this is going to be for kids, like mm-hmm. we're finding our audience and it's kids, they had to kind of tone that back, but they kept the destruction of property, but it became this like unintentional Clumsy destruction news. of yes. property. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to link this, but I actually did find an article where Jim Varney actually did say that Ernest started off more abrasive and then they did intentionally make him friendlier and dumber. I, I think that's obvious from watching the yes. ads. And it, yeah. it makes sense. But it has been confirmed. I like it because they still kept the destruction of property. Properties, oh, yeah. properties. That's what the kids want anyway. Yeah. So, so you what keep it in things? there and the kids know it's we are destroying. Well, they, they softened uh, Ernest and, and sort of developed him without like betraying what he's all about, I guess. Yeah. Or what's funny to watch him do. Sure. Yeah, it's why we're here. Well, before we get into uh, episodes 8 to 13, we do have a few like corrections and omissions regarding disc one. Oh, yes. What did we miss about disc one? I mispronounced Bruce Arntzen's name. I'm so sorry. I said Bruce Arnston. It's actually Bruce Arntzen. Sorry, Bryce. Uh, Also, we got a couple of comments. One of our listeners on Twitter, Louis Nira, pointed out uh, a few things. First of all, in our discussion of George and Mac, we mentioned that at some point, George the Iguana does nod his head in response to something Mac says. Louis points out that iguanas actually bob their heads as a sign of regression. Wonderful. Or to make territorial claims. So basically confirming that this is an iguana under duress. (laughs) I don't know if I believe that, though. I I was thinking about that. I am pretty sure that all the movement on that iguana, they're literally just puppeting an iguana. It may as well be a rubber iguana, but it is actually alive. (laughs) They are handling it. With gusto. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's putting it nicely. I feel like it's an iguana that is extremely comfortable with people. I That's hope That's probably so. handled quite a bit. But it's, I don't know these defini- guys. They could be horrible iguana abusers for all I know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's definitely someone on the cruise pet iguana yeah. that is extremely comfortable. Do you think, there might be no way to know this. Jim didn't have a, a pet iguana, did he? As far as I know, he did not. They, they didn't, he like, was just, more of a cat and dog. We gotta go back to Varney Productions again. <laughs> the the pro- animal husbandry services. <laughs> iguanas provided by Varney Productions. <laughs> but it definitely strikes me as what segments can we do? Oh, I have a pet iguana. Yeah. Yep. Like that's what it was. What kind of production value do we have? What do we have? Zero dollars. Yep. Zero dollars and one iguana. <laughs> also, he wanted us to mention Denise Hicks, so we will, because why not? Is that the woman who plays uh, the clown mom? She's clown mom. She's hot 80 sweater, as you called her. I did call her that. Yeah, I stand uh, by it. At some point in the in the first seven episodes, she does sing a song about falling in love with a clown. Mm. You've never loved the clown until you've worn his nose, and he just wanted her to get some due cred for that. Gotcha. That's the one where Was Skeeter that the very, like, and grease, Eddie- the grease I, feeling? Yes. Song? She, I think she sings that in disc two because I've seen that. Oh, interesting. Oh, you might have watched way too many. You, you might have thought it all become a blur to you. But yeah, she was. She's uh, clearly multi talented. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's a really good cast all around. Everyone on the show is wearing a lot of hats. Yes, many of yeah. those hats involve musical ability. Yeah. He also pointed out for us. You, Dave, had a question about actually Mrs. the Clown's inner monologue as she watches Ernest work out. Oh yes, the with regards to that airplane-ish joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says the airplane gag is actually a reference to a coffee commercial you banned coffee commercial uh where that happened so i think i guess it's a 50s oh, trope that showed that's up. funny he never has a second cup at home yeah that exact yeah. joke yeah ah. <laughs> it's such like a this is not a coffee pun but it's like 50s weird 
nuclear family stuff mm-hmm. filtered through like the 70s and then filter that through like weird 80s, 80s? television yeah. yeah reuse and reference and callbacks also uh planet trafalgar sure that antinelda was abducted and brought to <laughs> that's the last time you find <laughs> me on trafalgar it's actually a reference to trafalgarians the vonnegut thing yes it's a uh, an alien race if i'm remembering correctly i think they look like a toilet plunger with a hand on top and they're the ones that like that's what i live imagine. in all places all times at the same time so to oh, a human oh. to a tralfamidorian a human looks like this big worm with arms and legs coming off on all sides that just huh. snakes all through a lifetime interesting i imagine that's what dr otto's toilet plunger looks like it's just a plunger with a hand on top i actually have a note about that guy the, the, dr otto yeah dr otto <laughs> he Like I watched so many episodes of this and just sort of took the guy on as a character. It was just like, okay, whatever. I I accept it. Instant uptake. And then it wasn't until I'd watched a bunch of these episodes and kind of gone back and reviewed a little bit that I realized this guy, I think he's wearing tinsel and what appears to be pussy willows. Uh, What is a pussy willow? His outfit. Like the plant? Yeah. He has... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it looks like pussy willow branches. With little, I believe it. Oh, yeah, he is wearing some on. kind of foliage. Yeah, he? I believe it. That's right. It's the weirdest getup ever. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I'd been watching a guy wearing pussy willows and tinsel, and, and I was just like, yeah, he's yeah, a mad exactly. doctor. You bet. Yeah, seems he's a scientist. Lines up. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a hand on his head. He goes, ah, 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 ah. Nothing about this seems off. That's <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I accept Dr. Otto at face value. You love Dr. Otto. I love and him. Correctly. Sure. He sounds like Vincent Price. Yes. He does. Ha- he does have he a does. little bit of Vincent Price thing happening. Yeah. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. So Planet Travalmador, uh in books by Kurt Go figure. We did talk about how Auntie Nelda is a little bit of an art snob. She's very well read, also clearly. So the fact that she's a fan of Vonnegut, I buy it. Maybe she was thinking about Trafalgar Square. That's what but I. That's thought. what Aaron thought. Yeah. Also, we got a comment on the Facebook page from Josh Mindtree. He says uh, he actually has a prop from Havernet's Ernest, which is Baby Ernest Bonnet, and he says it was actually labeled Baby Ernest Bonnet. Ah. So that is confirmation that the baby is in fact Ernest. Well, there you go. Which now I'm gonna have a lot of things to say. Props to Josh Mindtree. <laughs> were there Props to... going theories about? Well, we were com- I was competing just confused. theories. We were like, is this Ernest as a baby? Or yeah. is it just like a character, another a character baby. that Jim Varney is playing? Yeah, yeah. Wait, what? What? There's a lot of that. I mean, as we traveled back in well, time. Well, I have some theories about that, too. Well, the, okay, the, great. So the goal of this podcast, <laughs> in, a, in a macro sense, is to figure out who Ernest is and like what his deal is and where he comes from and where he's going, really. Yeah, yeah. so therefore, anything with him as a baby is like very valuable and needs to be examined on the same level that Ernest is examined. And as we get into the rest of the episodes, there is questions about like the reality of the neighborhood that Ernest lives in. Sure. But Ernest as a baby, it's like, is this a flashback to Ernest? Yeah. Is this... Where does this exist in space and time? To me, I started entertaining the notion that it's kind of like a Groundhog Day kind of thing where, where spin-off universes are happening. Oh, interesting. Wow. And like, so you know, and I, I started thinking about like Rant by Chuck Palahniuk. I, I know I pronounced his name wrong. So it's, uh, it's Crisis on Infinite Worlds. <laughs> yeah, or like, or even... Uh, so it's a different oh, it's that other insane book, uh, The Man Who Folded Himself, where it's like all these, you know, with time travel, like there's all these spinoffs. I can't remember what it was. There was something where when I was watching it, I just felt like there's one of these things where the repetition of it makes, oh, it's when he's at the barbershop. Every time he comes into the barbershop, he oh, says the same thing over again. The, yeah. He always gets it wrong. Wall Street Tycoon. He says Wall Street Tycoon. Like, he doesn't remember asking for Wall Street Tycoon before. <laughs> yep. He comes up with it like a fresh thing every time. I think he doesn't know he's been here. 
<laughs> or wait, oh, or no, in, 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 in keeping with your like multiple <laughs> timeline thing, maybe each episode is the exact same day, but in like one alternate universe, Ernest is talking about hobbies, and in Whoa. another alternate universe, Ernest is yeah. talking about pets. Yeah, that's interesting. And they've all no. just spun off. Yep, yep. That, oh my gosh, it's like the like little branch timelines yeah. Yeah. that branch off based on the decision Ernest makes that morning. Yeah, maybe the decision of what haircut to get. It's like what maybe it's all what he reads what in the Earl paper that him. morning. Oh, that yeah. That's the turning point. Wow. And I think Crazy. I think the the first haircut I saw was the Oriental Typhoon. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. And I don't think they ever beat that one. I think <laughs> I think that was the best one. I think that was a really great haircut. It, uh, it's not a haircut. It's the, a typhoon. Not, very few of them are haircuts. <laughs> I don't think his hair was involved. That's often the case. It's a sculpture it's, on his head. Every time, every time hair is involved, it's always just like weird. Like It's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. It's very bizarre. Uh, Ernest. All right. Well, I think we've set up this universe enough that we can dive into the latter half of this charming series. Sure. Weird universe. Yeah. Beautiful insanity. Oh, and uh, at some point, I promise listeners, we will talk about the theme song in more detail. Uh, but right now, we'll get into episode eight hey Vern, it's hobbies so Isn't eight sports no seven is sports oh maybe that's got... what happened oh, oh interesting sports. wait a second hold on a second tom you watched this on amazon prime right yeah i wonder if the episode order on amazon prime is different than the episode order on dvd it might be and oh by the way i forgot to mention the series is available on amazon <laughs> prime actually i think just buying the dvd from amazon is cheaper than buying the season pass oh yeah it's like amazon. four hours but yeah you know snail mail being what it is oh so did you manage to watch the last episode the last episode that for would me talent. would be talent all right 15. i've got sports eight Hobbies, 9. Holidays, 10. Interesting. School, 11. So it looks like you just missed food. Lost and Found, 12. And uh, Talent, Talent 13. 13. Yeah, food must have been swapped somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see Interesting. Food. So okay, food keep that be... in mind, listeners, if you're uh, checking this out on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's a little bit of a... All right. Don't worry. No worries, Tom. We got you covered food-wise. You can, during that, when we talk in that episode, you can just sit there like... The listeners can't see David, but he's making the earnest thinking face. Yeah. Which is... Your eyes are squinted and your mouth is open. Yeah, the mouth, the mouth agape, <laughs> mouth breathing. Yeah. All right. Well, episode eight on the DVD, Havern, it's hobbies. It is. And in a very comical way, as we get further into this series, the things that fall under the banner of the episode titles <laughs> get, get dicey. <laughs> Extremely loose. It's like, they play fast and loose. <laughs> sure. Sure. These are hobbies. Okay. But hobbies is actually one of the, the more on topic ones. Oh, sure. You'd think in this episode that Ernest would be trying out various hobbies, but actually he's dead set. He has one mission in this episode and it's to catch a butterfly. Sure. It opens with Ernest being like really interested in Vern's butterfly collection. He's admiring it. My first note on this episode is, holy crap, a composite. Episode budget, gone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's the butterfly. Yep. Cartoon butterfly. Honey, the honey, honey, honey. The honey, honey, honey. yes. <laughs> Ernest realizes that the only butterfly missing from Vern's collection is the orange Malaysian honey, which I looked up and is not a real butterfly. Sure. But I You're saying the be... talking butterfly was not real? I mean, I guess I can believe that. It, it flies around and goes, I honey, knew it! <laughs> so Ernest drops Vern's butterfly collection. He shatters it. He says, oh, it's Clearly all right. Clearly on purpose. No. There's no mistaking. No. He's not like, it wasn't like some kind of slip of it. And I thought this was interesting because he's just like, whoop, psh, <laughs> drop your collection. And then later on, he puts a lot of work into fixing it. He does. Let's think he repairs it with tape and it's just like the glass is just shards taped back together, which I very much appreciate. But when he drops it, he goes, it's okay. I don't think I woke any of them up, which is foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
But oh, Ber- Ernest. But Ernest is like, all right, I'm going to catch this rare butterfly for you. And he spends the entire episode trying to catch the orange Malaysian honeywani, which flies around going, honeywani, honeywani, honeywani. Like, it's a Pokemon? He's got to catch them. He's got to catch them all. <laughs> and people keep saying honeywani over and over again. Like yeah, the, the kids in the this boxes. This is the greatest name we've ever come up with for anything. <laughs> they're just like, honey- yeah, there's there's just like little inserts of the kids going, honeywani, honeywani, honeywani. And even at some point, Dr. Otto takes a shot at it. Honeywani. It's disturbing. At uh, at one point, Ernest says, go get some butter, Vern. We're going to bake that baby. (laughs) Yes, and then he ends up making what he calls a butterfly minefield. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the butterfly camouflage suit, which was my favorite. Oh, God. All the things that Ernest does to try to catch the butterfly. Yeah. He baits it with sticks of butter, which you just mentioned, Tom. He says, says, all he has to do is step into my butterfly minefield, and then he'll drop a big net on it, a human-sized net, which just catches Ernest. One of my favorite things is that he actually does a window gag. Oh, yeah. He he says, I'm going to catch this butterfly without harming a hair on its little papillon head. I caught that too. I was like, excuse me, Ernest? Papillon is the French word for For butterfly. butterfly. I didn't know that. Well, like the dog breed, because the dog breed is named because it has ears that look like butterflies. Uh, He impressed me. He impressed me. You know, for all of the accusations of dumbness that Ernest Ernest is given, Mm -hmm. he cannot use a a small word if a larger word will do. (laughs) That's right. Or a more flowery word. He's kind of like Doc Brown in that way. I love him. But he's smears this stuff on the windowsill. It's a makeshift fly trap, which I think would harm the butterfly. Fly paper in a bucket. Yeah. My favorite thing about that is that it's, of course, the build-up to a window slam gag, which you've seen a million times, but usually Ernest screams silently, like his mouth just opens, but this time he actually just goes, ah! That one hurt. That one oh, hurt yeah. him. <laughs> I have an, an interesting burn note uh, oh, sure. at this point. Please. I haven't really developed a visual picture of Vern, but I, I keep getting these weird hints and clues about this character. Yeah. Yep. And Vern has a, a wife or a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Because she's helping him shut the, the shutters. Yeah. 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 Vern's wife always helps him. So they're both there. So Who knows where Vern's wife is throughout the series? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what was your favorite butterfly trap? Oh, the butterfly camouflage suit? Which it's I just a giant is, sunflower costume. Yes, which made me think of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode where Will Smith has to dress up in a giant oh. sunflower suit. Uh, but yeah, and that and that suit comes back in a later episode, That's if right. I recall correctly. None of these things no work, budget. but every time Ernest tries something, it doesn't work, but then the honey money always flies by. Vern, Vern, get the net. It's the honey one. <laughs> Burn. Mocking his pain. That butterfly really did blow the budget for the entire series, didn't it? That's true, yes. Besides Ernest's woes, the rest of the characters in the neighborhood are, I guess, just practicing various hobbies and talking about hobbies. Chuck and Bobby are trying to like catch squirrels, but they're wearing coonskin caps to yeah. blend in. Which is like, guys, squirrels and raccoons are not the same thing. Also, Bobby like, says something racist to the squirrels. Does he really? <laughs> the one time he talks, he says something <laughs> racist. Way yeah, to go, Bobby. Specifically about squirrels. Like Chuck is teaching him how to do squirrels squirrel calls sure and and so he's like do this and like so then bobby does it and all the squirrels start like throwing nuts at them oh i get you chuck's like you can't say that yeah that's really funny (laughs) what did he say chuck is kind of like Ernest in that he always kind of tries to know what's up or what's like the best way to do things yeah and then bobby is kind of like his silent recipient Mm -hmm. of information and he's also the one who kind of intuitively does a better job Right. Doing a better job than the person who pretends to know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of, in that way, he's sort of the porky pig, I guess. Oh, that's an interesting uh, comparison. Oh, um, Mac and George. Max. Oh, yes. George's hobby is that he's 
a painter? Well, first, Mac is talking about how he has a bug collection and yeah, yeah. there's all that stuff. And then for once in his life, George does something wrong because he eats he eats Mac's, he eats bugs Mac's collection. bug collection. But then, yes, it does turn out that George is also a painter. Of course he is. And he paints a portrait of Mac that... Uh, he paints the most disturbing portrait I've ever seen. We talked in the last episode about whether Mac was secretly an iguana that became a human mm-hmm. and vice versa for George. In reverse metamorphosis. Correct. You, you called it Kafka-esque, I believe. It is Kafka-esque. Uh, if anything is. <laughs> but then, yes, so George paints a portrait of Mac in like a half lizard, half human. Yeah. It's upsetting. It's... He even includes those like weird bottom of the jaw eardrum looking yeah. things. Kind Someone, of that weird. I want that painting. Someone painted that. That's amazing. Do you think John Cherry still has that painting? Do you think he let me buy it off him? I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that went. Or maybe, maybe Mac has it. He could try to track it down. If anyone knows where that painting is, <laughs> love a print at least. I will go as high as $5. <laughs> Can I talk about Auntie Nelda in this? Auntie Nelda's hobby is oh, great. Please do. I wasn't so much struck about her hobby as uh, well. Her, let me say what her hobby is. Say what her I hobby is. I actually love what her hobby is because it's such an old lady hobby. Sure. Her hobby is to enter magazine sweepstakes. That's true. Which is a great old lady <laughs> hobby. It's just something you do at home. She's a great old lady. <laughs> and, and she's won all these prizes, which are like a plastic skull. Oh yeah. Like she basically has won Halloween decorations. I don't know what she's entering, but she's won a plastic skull. And a rubber oh, spider. And, and a very festive Festive. musical coffee maker, oh, which yeah. plays the girl from Ipanema. Yeah. Nice. As your coffee maker should. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the dream. <laughs> but you're probably focused on uh, her, her reference to the rubber spider. Where she talks about her son for the first time? Jaime, yeah. He reminds me of my son, Jaime. Yeah, is that what it is? Jaime. Jaime? Yeah. I interpreted it as Harmy. Which... No, it's Jaime. Okay. She says that the rubber spider reminds her of her son Jaime, only stockier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her emaciated son Jaime. But um, Jaime is actually, if we ever do watch uh, Dr. Otto in the Riddle of the Gloombeam, he is referenced in that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is so Auntie Nelda in that movie? Yes. Interesting, interesting. Okay. She is. I will have more questions at that point. Stay the, tuned. The uh, sweepstakes hobby also affords us a nice close-up of her uh, licking an envelope with <laughs> that freaky lipstick on. Yeah, I have to say, you know, oh, Jim Barney. a lot of this show, as we've said, is super low budget in a charming way. They have never been able to get any consistency with Auntie Nelda's makeup. It's always like a different wig or something weird about the lips or like but the glasses the, are different. The character or... is always unmistakable. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah. oh there she is. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Her face is all you need. She's got that swell collar. Mrs. Simon Simmons, by the way, her hobby is to study ancient etiquette rules. Which I was watching that. I was just like, is any of this true? No way. Absolutely not. It's all made up. It's all telling kids lies about history. (laughs) (laughs) She says that in ancient Mesopotamia, it was like customary to spit out your bread, to bite the end of a bread off, spit it out, and also to spank your soup. That's the best part. I like the soup spanking. Mm. (laughs) Flavor. Yeah. I love that that's her hobby, though. She's she's, she's just I, into manners. I actually really like Mrs. Simon Simmons a Mrs. lot. Yeah, I do, too. We'll, we'll get to some of that in the later episodes. Let's see. Uh, Dr. Otto's hobby is to collect used chewing gum. The only thing I love about that is that he says, I work really hard. Stress really gets to me. And like that's why he collects. <laughs> sure. Stands to reason. I like when he, uh, after he puts the gum in his mouth that the dog dragged in, he's like, there's no telling what it was yeah. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> he's chewing That's right. It. <laughs> he's just delighted by terrible things, yeah. Yeah. even if they're inflicted on him. He's like, yeah. I appreciate that this is terrible. Well, you got me. <laughs> the clown family, when we check in with them, Mike the Clown is just uh, talking about his hobby, which is to collect clown noses. Yeah. 
because he's a serial killer. <laughs> that, that's what it did. It did strike me as, oh, those are the noses of his victims. A yes. suitcase full that's of your victims' noses. That's the first thing I thought yeah. of. It's a twist, though, that he kills clowns. It's like one of those Dexter He's like Dexter, exactly. Kills yeah. other serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Serial killers. Maybe that's not it, but he's got all these noses yes. that he's acquired through suspicious means. Through, yes. And he gives one to Skeeter. He's like, Skeeter, this is yours. You're going to inherit this when I die, I guess. And then Eddie's at, like- at Eddie's hands. <laughs> and Eddie's like, what do I get? Antique seltzer bottle, which A, he doesn't want, B, is immediately used to spray him in the face. Then they, I think they just do that typical thing they do, which is they yell, oh, like Skeeter and Mike the Clown just I, come together. And, they oh just God. get worse and worse through the whole uh, oh, the yeah. whole series. I, they're Insufferable. Those guys yeah. are awful. Yeah. yeah. Well, this episode I thought was interesting because a little bit later, Jackie Welsh is singing a song as some sort of like German songstress. I'm not really sure what that's all about. It's bizarre. She's is singing a song let about. Let me be your yes. hobby for the day. Let me be your Jeez. hobby for is the day. Is that really the lyric? That is what it's. And she, <laughs> I right. like it when she goes, Let me be your hobby for the day. This will be fun. This will be fun. This will be fun. This will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> or else. They was, water her head. I was struck by plant grows out. Plant uh, grow. Skeeter and Eddie both agree on the fact that her song sucks. Do they? Yeah, they're both. I mean, they're, they're both kind of like they're both game sync. for what they're doing. Yeah, they're nodding to each other like yeah. But I was like, oh, for once, Eddie is like not completely put upon in this poor. He's not the butt of the joke, or he's not nightmarish the... world that he lives in. Yeah, for once, yeah. There's the bizarre song. Uh, Sergeant Glory. At some point, Sergeant Glory's main role in the series is that he defines the uh, he theme of the, the episode. Yeah, like it'll be food. He'd be like, food is a substance you eat. Like, you know. But at some point, he says, A hobby can consist of rock collecting, paper dolls, or raising boneless beef cattle for fun and profit. Boneless beef cattle? What? <laughs> they rarely stand up or something like well, that. Yeah, they rarely stand. Rarely He's stand. like, the one thing to remember. What is... Second thing to remember. Is he talking about they raising stand. cows without bones? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it was. It was Sergeant Glory cow. often says things that I find baffling. Yeah. <laughs> like, he seems like a no-nonsense, like, straight-laced sort of dude, but that then he says, says nonsense. he says things that are just like, uh, sorry, come again? What? Actually, on Twitter, Louis Nira also pointed out that Sergeant Glory's first appearance was in a Purity Milk ad. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. They love those milk products in Nashville, I guess. In the ad, Sergeant Glory demonstrates how to open a milk jug. Purity mm -hmm. milk jokes. So it's funny to me that Sergeant Glory was the first ad campaign that Jim Barney did with Cardin and Cherry because he's such a restrained character and yeah. his expression is so, you would think with Jim Barney, you'd want to take advantage of his great range of facial expressions, sure. which is what they eventually did. It's just funny to me that Sergeant Glory predates Ernest. Well, they probably just had a script and they needed to find somebody who could play this character. Yeah, yeah. And Jim Varney could. And then it all happened from there because you could not stop Jim Varney. Well, I mean, I also feel like there's probably an element of, oh, we got this guy, Jim Varney. He can do this yeah, Sergeant this Glory a, character. Yeah. Oh, wait, he can do anything. <laughs> and he will. Also in this episode, we have to check in with our favorite Earl, the barber. Yeah. Just like with uh, the word papillon, Ernest walks in and he says that he wants to look like an entomologist. Yeah. Ernest knows the word entomologist. Yeah. I think that comes up later in like uh, it does. school or something. But Chuck says it. And then Earl's like, a what? And he's like, an, an entomologist? <laughs> and, and he's like, never mind. He yeah. changes his mind. <laughs> actually, he wants to look like a Wall Street tycoon. Sure. So, First time for everything. Yeah. You know, actually, you know, I'd like to look like a Wall Street tycoon. <laughs> he does not remember that he has been here before. Yeah. Well, what he ends up with is a concrete cocoon. It's just what it sounds like. And then the next time you see Ernest, he's like, hey, 
Earl gave me a great idea. And he's wearing a giant cocoon costume. This one was the first one where I was really struck by character things sort of crossing over from segment to segment. Mm-hmm. Where like, where I, I just had a moment where I was like, so wait, all these people live in the same neighborhood, but are they also watching each other's segments? Because uh... then there'll be like something where like Ernest is like inventing like the butterfly finder or whatever the thing is. And, oh, yeah. And then and, like he says something like blah, 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 blah. And then Auntie Nelda is like, and why we're afraid to ask. Like it just cuts to her. That's and, right. And it's so like. I don't know. I feel it's like. It's very odd. I feel like Auntie Nelda is the omniscient judge. She's the watcher. Yeah. She's yeah. sworn not to interfere. <laughs> She's the watcher. And I think the other characters just have off-screen conversations with Ernest about what he's doing. Well, Specifically she, Chuck and Bobby. Because they're always like, also, we love Ernest's idea. I feel like he just told them, but oh, we never see it. But Auntie Nelda specifically is omniscient. Well, she also reacts to Lonnie Don in this episode. She's is, kind of there with us. She's sort of the Statler or the Waldorf. Yep, that's the, that's yeah, what she is. Thing. She's the Statdorf of the show. <laughs> She's Astoria. I feel like more and more of these segments start little references to the previous segments. It feels very Monty Python. I know I've made that comparison a <laughs> hundred thousand times. But in conclusion, yes. let's talk about how this episode ends. What it if- ends with Vern, or with Ernest realizing Vern is a serial killer. <laughs> Well, what happens is... <laughs> Ernest reacts like, like, I, this is the worst. He's just... The, oh. the depth Vern can sink to is yeah. shocking to Ernest. So what happens is that Ernest keeps trying to catch it. And then while he's just standing there talking, the honey bunny just flies into his open hand and just lands there. Yeah. It senses the goodness in his pure heart. Well, I have a note like, on this, this segment. This is a good place. I have a, a note on this segment, which is just like, Ernest is nice. He is nice. Yeah, true. So now he has the Haniwani in a little box. I guess it's like a cigar box. Yeah, something like that. And he's holding it, and he's he's so in love with this butterfly. He says, I wish I could speak Haniwani so I could tell her how pretty I think she is. <laughs> it's like the sweetest thing to say. Yep. And he's delighted. He's like, this is my little baby butterfly. And he starts to open the case and add her to Vern's butterfly collection when he comes to the Gradual realization that Vern's butterflies are not living happily or living at all. What's in the box? (laughs) It's my second favorite acting moment in the show because as it dawns on him, he's like, none of these sweet little things are even moving. Yeah, you see see the wheels turning. Yeah. (laughs) See, he looks at the collection and he's like, you know, Vern, if I didn't know you better, I'd think that these butterflies were... Wake up, fellas. Rise and shine. Come on, get up. I'm an atomite. Say it's not true. Say it's not true. It's really kind of heavyweight for what you become accustomed to on the show. He goes through this whole emotional roller coaster where at first he's like, he's confused. He's thinking. Then he's like, oh, no, Vern, please tell me this isn't. All the stages of grief. Yeah. (laughs) It's all right there. As soon as it dawns on him, he turns on Vern. Yeah. He gets angry and he's like. You hold it right there. There's no way that this honey is going to be daddy weddy for your collection. He says, we're just going to have to find you a hobby that everyone can live with. <laughs> he takes the honey in the box. He stomps away angrily. And the music that accompanies it is just like a like, that little emotional roller coaster for Ernest is my favorite thing. My favorite acting moment. Yeah. So we see Ernest later. He's at the window. So, you know, his fingers are going to get slammed. And he's like. Well, Vern, I just can't do it. And like right in front of Vern, he opens the box and lets the little honey wanny fly away. And he said, let's let, he says, let's let flygons be bygones. Yeah. <laughs> what I love is that the window falls down. It actually is stopped by the butterfly, the cigar box that he was yeah. keeping the butterfly in. And he's like, isn't that ironic? I saved the honey wanny and the honey wanny saved me. 
But then as soon as he removes the box, his fingers get slammed. Why does he remove the box? Uh, I don't he removes the know. box and then he sticks his fingers Why? under there again. Because that's the way the universe works. He's Ernest. compelled to get his fingers slammed by, by it's some unseen it's force. It's some sort of magnet. But mainly what I liked about this is that he goes, my hand burned. And I was watching it and I was like, save my butterfly catching hand. Save my butterfly catching hand. And he goes, my hand burned. My butterfly catching hand. Thank you, Ernest. <laughs> so you are thinking more and more like Ernest. Oh, yeah. Time, I just, the parallel time goes by. The parallels between Aaron and Ernest. Ernest? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Both of them? Ernest, yeah. Ernest. Yeah, are uh, becoming clearer and clearer with each episode. I don't know. But that's episode eight. Hey, Vern, it's Hobbies. Did you like to sidebar, David, about the delightful theme song and oh, the lyrics therein? I was just perplexed by the lyrics of it. You know, we talked about why isn't Ernest the one singing right. this theme song. And then we talked also about, in that case, who is singing the theme song. So I have the lyrics here from IMDb, which I actually think they're wrong about one of the lines. I'll get to that when I get to it. Sure. Because it is very clearly from Ernest's point of view, this theme song. And yeah. the lyrics go, hey, Vern. Today's your lucky day. We knew you wouldn't want to oversleep, Vern. We only do it once a week, Vern. Me and all the other guys, Vern. We even brought the pies, Vern. We even brought the pies? Which I'm assuming is a uh, clown illusion. And then this is the line that I could never decipher. Right. What I'm assuming that this line is, is Ernest giving a description of what he interprets his show to be in a very earnest, flowery way. Okay. And what he says there is, it's the Ernest P. Worrell with a story and a moral and a big chunk of hip trip double dip super supreme show. So that whole thing is the description of what his uh, that's, show is. Wait, that's what he's saying the name of the show is? Or what the or show it, is? More of like, like a name slash description, I think. It's got a syllable in there it's to make the it It's the Ernest P. Worrell with a story and a moral and a big... So this is the thing that I think is wrong on IMDb because they say and a big chunk of hip trip double dip super supreme like that doesn't mean anything to me when i'm listening to the song on the show i think it's with a story and a moral and a big chuckle hip trip double dip super supreme oh maybe and a big chuckle that makes sense i'm so, happy either way what what i interpret <laughs> that as is if ernest was going to name a show that's what he would show. that's what yeah. he would name it well that's definitely ernest's voice yes. in the literary sense Absolutely. um so then i feel like that's probably when ernest was offered the show he was probably like oh yeah and we can call it the, the ernest p world like, with a story and a moral yeah. and a big chuckle hip trip double dip that super was supreme the title show. on his treatment <laughs> yeah. when he proposed it to cbs and it was in crayon and they were like <laughs> he was like and this is the title and they were like oh yeah sure and then like the show came out and it just said hey Vern, it's ernest and he's like it's called the ernest p world with a story and a moral and a big chuckle hip trip <laughs> right and they're like yeah, yeah yeah further adding credence to the fact that this is ernest singing this he, definitely right after he describes it in such a way the line is you know what i mean and then everyone Ernest else says, says no, no. and then the the second verse is hey Vern, we moved your furniture and now we're here to fire up the barbecue Vern. <laughs> we owe it all to you Vern. but now you got to move Vern. <laughs> this <laughs> i have questions about relationship yes. did they burn his house down <laughs> wait what oh wait, wait hold on what? a second hold on a second. burn his house down <laughs> did they fire up his barbecue and now he has to move because he doesn't have a home anymore <laughs> oh what i assumed it was was we moved all your furniture. Like I brought the entire neighborhood over. We're all here to do this Move show. Yeah. We owe it all to you, Vern. Thanks. Now get out of the way. We're trying to watch the show. <laughs> or make the oh, show. So that's what I thought. Like, yeah. you, have, you have to move. Like I think it's just like, yes, get out of the way. We're doing something. <laughs> because then Ernest says, hey, Vern, it's me. I'm on TV. It's like, hey, Vern, I have a show. I'm using your house. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, 
I just think like we fired up the barbecue and you know things got out of hand <laughs> like they usually do and I would also buy that. Yeah. Yeah, there are many ways one. to interpret this theme song. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. They must have burned I his house. I don't down. think anyone could fault you for interpreting something as yep. destruction of Vern's property. He would that is a constant. He would do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, my commentary on the theme song. Which, Great. It, it makes more sense to me now. And it has grown on me, even though I find it oh, overtly yeah. dissonant to this day. One thing I had noted for the uh, sports episode is I love Lonnie Don. Whoa. <laughs> you know, we never talk about Lonnie Don only because he is so repetitive. Lonnie did the same shtick every time. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so good, though. We li- I like him. It's just like... <laughs> oh, and every time. time it ends up being a fart noise, and it's yeah. just yep. the greatest. At first, I didn't like it when I realized it was happening, and then I decided I did like it. <laughs> and he always has some rationale for why it's a different sound. Yeah. And the, the thing that I really like is in the intro every time, where he's right. biting the bulb of a squeak horn yeah, yeah. and closing his eyes in time with the bites <laughs> and the squeaks. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, Lonnie Don, all right. <laughs> What's it going to be this time? Einstein's a coming. Galen Trotain has talented eyes. His eyes speak volumes. And yeah, he can do that side to side eye thing. Yeah, really quickly. And he does. (laughs) And I'm just watching him and going, that man is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think it really takes a gifted performer to uh, convince me of that. Yeah. He's definitely hired here. Yes. Well, episode nine is uh, Hey Vern, It's Food, which Amazon Prime so like terribly denied Tom the pleasure of viewing. (laughs) Missed out on this one, you guys. (laughs) Okay, we'll catch you up. So what happens in this episode is that Ernest wants to win the neighborhood bake-off. So there is a contest. Ernest wants to win it. Ernest just wants some recognition, as as always. He keeps well. He he wants some kind of accolade, or he wants to prove himself in some way. He's like, maybe this time, maybe this time, because each one is an alternate reality. (laughs) Where he chooses a different path. Maybe. It's like he chooses a different selection in the dialogue tree of the LucasArts game that is his neighborhood. You selected food. (laughs) So Ernest is in his kitchen or Vern's kitchen. It must be Ernest's kitchen because he's rifling through all these old recipes that he says are Granny Worrell's recipes. Maybe he just uses Vern's kitchen as a storage space. probably. Rattlesnake gumbo. Nah. Furball casserole. They're terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's like Granny Worrell would, you know, it's she's, a typical Worrell fair. Yeah. But he really wants to win the contest because the prize is a lifetime supply of gooey boy muffin cakes. Sure. Which look exactly like the hostess chocolate cream filled cupcakes. Yes. But for the purposes of this episode, they're gooey boy muffin cakes. Please don't sue us. I think that's his main goal. He's like, I want those cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, look at my sweet tooth, Vern. It wants to dance. And he does a little thing with his tongue to make it look like his tooth is dancing. It's well, the most the precious thing. Like There's a little shine. Then he says it wants to dance. And it dances to this little tune that delights me. <laughs> Ernest is adorable. Yeah. Let me just say, Ernest is adorable. He's an adorable 40-year-old man. <laughs> Doesn't he talk about making like pigs in a blanket or, or alternatively frogs in a sleeping yeah. bag or alternatively chicken in a bedpan? These are all Granny Worrell <laughs> recipes, by the way. He's going through yes. them. He's like, there has to be a prize winning recipe in this in here somewhere. Yeah. Because it's grandma recipes. He, he finds one. And he says, this is it. A recipe this torn up and tattered has got to be a great one. I love that logic. Well, there's, there's good logic. Yeah, that's empirical evidence. I yeah. feel like Gets that's used. 
that's logic we would use, but wouldn't say it out loud in such a way as to make us realize it's not great logic. But Ernest says it out loud, and we're like, oh yeah, that makes no sense, but we all do it. Well, and so as Ernest becomes more uh, chefly, he sort of takes on some sort of like vaguely French affectations. Ernest has drawn like a fake mustache on <laughs> himself, right. a little pencil thin, the curly mustache, and he's he's inserting the word le into everything. He's like, oh, hello, Monsieur Le Dust Bunny, I'm making le recipe. <laughs> At one point, he messes up and he's like, le dang. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird because I kind of associate mustaches on Jim Varney with Jim Varney. Sure. Being Jim Varney. So it was like, oh, uh, there's like a weird right as opposed to Ernest every time Ernest looks more like Jim Barney than it's Ernest odd. it's jarring to me I than... get that but uh, what kind yeah. of mustache did Jim Barney have what, I was hoping it'd be a magnum PI. No, not it's, a big, not, it's not, not that bushy. bushy, but it's not like a pencil thin, like it's drawn not pencil on thin mustache. either. But that's like his, like I'm not Ernest now mustache. Like no one will recognize me. Right. Everyone. Well, like his his Beverly Hillbillies mustache. That's what I think of it as. So also in this episode, Ernest is um, growing food. He uh, has eggplants, which are literal eggplants. That's right. He also spends the other half tending to his absurd garden. Bell peppers that make noise. The eggplants are just eggs. Uh, yes. He, he's like, oh, you know how they're ready when you squeeze them? And it's just, he just squashes an egg yes. in his hand. That would confuse me as a child because I would believe that. If that's, I watched the show... That's like 90% of the show. Yeah, because if I were watching the show, it, it was 88, I would have been three years old. Yes. And so. I would have believed everything Ernest okay. said. Oh. oh, that's what going to a barbershop is. Wholeheartedly. Okay. He's teaching kids to think. <laughs> He's training them not to be credulous. Yeah. Oh, speaking of vegetables, can we talk about the terrifying vegetable song? Oh, do you that, mean, I'm so uh, sorry you missed, Tom. There's yeah, a terrifying... Kind of bumming me out. Sorry, Tom. Uh, my, <laughs> note, my note really on this... Fun. My note on this is, quote, I am a vegetable, close quote, proto Steve Odekirk. It's somebody's eyes and mouth superimposed onto, uh, uh, what vegetable is it? Uh, I don't remember. It's a round vegetable, and they've just put someone's eyes and mouth on it, and it's singing, I am a vegetable, and like, it's creepy. Well, if you think about the healthy food song from Sesame Street and how creepy those vegetables are, this is like a hundred times yeah, more creepy than terrifying. that. it's terrifying. Yeah. I actually like fast forward. I was just like, I can't. This, <laughs> this is too... I understand that. It just looks like a charred face, basically. Yep. By the way, everyone else in the neighborhood in this episode is also entering the neighborhood Bake Off. So Chuck and Bobby actually travel to Alaska because they want to make baked Alaska. And mm. they actually travel to Alaska to just take a piece of land that, yes. that they will put in the oven. It's ridiculous. Who is running all of these contests in the neighborhood? That's what I wonder. It seems like they're just announced in the local paper or something. Yeah, because like every episode, Ernest is like, oh, it's time for the local neighborhood yep. like model train <laughs> railroading show or whatever. The mayor of, of Ernest <laughs> I Town. Think it's got to be like a, a radio <laughs> Townsville, thing. USA. It's like a radio station that just has these contests. George is making lasagna for the neighborhood bake-off, oh, yeah. which they consider to be an exotic dish. This is the episode where... It's Italian. That's not exotic. (laughs) Once again, there's definitely a hand holding George. I was just like, oh, that's a person's thumb and forefinger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. George puts on music to set the mood. I mean, sure. There's also some... uh, I haven't made it a secret that I love Auntie Nelda. And in this episode, she's doing a couple of things. She's at a restaurant that looks suspiciously like Jim Varney's living room. Sure. uh, Called Shea Bistro. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yes. This is actually one of my favorite... I just wrote down Auntie Nelda at the restaurant is amazing. Yes. Oh, he, the, I'm so the sorry, waiter, Thomas. <laughs> I've so got to go sorry. back and watch I'm this so episode. Sorry. So there's a waiter who's like on the receiving <laughs> end of all of her snark. She asks the poor waiter, what's like the special of the day? Or what's the soup? Oh, and he right, says right. cream of broccoli. Oh, and yeah, she yeah. goes, you might as well have said the plague. 
Creamy things make me nauseous, especially if they're chunky in texture. Disgusting. It's <laughs> a lot of information. Well, and then later, and this is this is one of the lines that in watching disc two I laughed out loud at. Yeah. Later she says, "Do you have frogs' legs?" And he's like, "Yes, ma'am." And she's like, "Wear baggy pants. No one will notice." <laughs> This waiter's just like, why? Get out of my restaurant! Why me? The waiter that gets Auntie Nell does. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you you take her this week. I <laughs> she, served she's her last here week. again. <laughs> like, she's so totally put upon, kind of, is the way she's usually doing things. Yeah. yeah. She's completely starting this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, she's the this instigator. Is, yeah. No one was crapping on me this week, so I have to go and seek out my pain. <laughs> oh, Dr. Otto, he's making plastic orchid sushi he's making sushi out of raw fish and plastic flowers Mm. nothing weird about that he's like yum and we're like all right dr otto i don't think are they supposed to be plastic he eats it and he goes needs more plastic it's definitely plastic (laughs) i mean the man has a hand on his head i don't think we can uh, i mean like his stomach must be different maybe he's an alien that's what i'm saying Yeah, yeah maybe he is an alien so again there's like this weird crossover of like the different segments like watching each other so mm-hmm. Ernest is watching apparently Mrs. Simon Simmons yeah. has a baking show yeah and I was he's... like all right sure whatever the show needs these segments to be that's what they are he's like hey Vern I don't think your baloney pot pie is gonna win we the need... contest yeah, exactly you should watch Mrs. Simon Simmons her show's coming on right now and I still feel like she lives two doors down she's just at like the public access network sure two blocks away. Well, I'm sure she lives in the neighborhood and I'm sure they pass each other in the grocery store. She just also mm. has a cooking show. Is My Father the Clown like a reality show? Like, I don't think that's a show that Ernest could watch. But I Mrs. Simon Simmons, like her segment is also kind of like cut up in a way where it's like, oh, this could be a show. But she's talking to us. She's talking to an audience. My Father the Clown, they're not talking to us. That's and true. In my that's Father true. the Clown, there's one episode where the wife, right after something Ernest does, yeah. the wife is... Thinking about Ernest. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, so, I think to something. Sports, I think. Yeah, that's. Right. I hope my kids turn out like him. So when she watches him work out, and her mind wanders. All right. Totally understandable. <laughs> totally understandable. Oh yeah. By the way, my and father. Yet, the clown. I get grief for calling your hot eighties sweater. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. And I know. So my father, the clown in this episode, they also want to, everyone wants to win this bake-off. They're baking, um, believe it or not, pies for the neighborhood bake-off. And like Skeeter is tormenting Eddie. He's putting flour on Eddie's head and like spraying. And the mom is like, all right, you three are causing too much commotion. You should just like go on so I can bake these pies. Like how does Eddie get lumped into this? The other two. And is she baking pies that are just going to be used to be thrown in people's faces? It's probably going to end up in her face. My only you called it, Tom. (laughs) You called it exactly. It took a lot of. (laughs) (laughs) I really put my brain to it. I just see that uh, coming. Yeah. yeah. She says, "Like all this time, I've only managed to make two pies." What are we going to do with two pies? Hmm. Why would you ever say that? My only note on this segment is Eddie and mom hate their lives, comma, pies, comma, et al. They very visibly hate their lives, particularly Eddie, because mom always seems like, oh, well, it's mine I chose. Eddie didn't choose this. That's true. They pie her and Eddie in the face. And Eddie just looks at his mother, but he's completely motionless. Completely. He's just standing there like no expression, cream in his face, looking at her like, was it all you imagined, yeah. Mom? Is, is it making you happy? Did you do a lot of dating before you met Dad? <laughs> like, Where did these two meet? 
at high school, she sang about it. Her parents didn't oh, understand. He's her high school sweet. She did not yeah. do a lot of dancing. Oh lord. She wore his his woman. nose in school, remember? <sighs> high school sweethearts, man. Uh, clearly. Oh, of course, Earl. We gotta check in with Earl the barber. Yep. So what do we got this time? All a right. small sweet macaroon. <laughs> There is nothing small about this haircut. It's a large macaroon. It is a gargantuan sculpture on <laughs> Ernest's noggin. But you would think that would be Ernest completely bald and then a very tiny macaroon right on top of his head. You would think it would be pretty awesome. But it's not. It's just huge sweet macaroon. It's like some sort of like Grace Jones-esque triangle. By the way, when Ernest comes in, Earl is fishing for the bass that is mounted on his wall. That's true. <laughs> He's trying to reel it in. Yeah. I just wrote here, the more they don't show me Ernest's head, the more I want to see it. That's like, don't touch the hot stove. It's like the Victorian lady showing the bit of ankle. Oh, I see. see your head. Like specifically in the barber sequences? Specifically yeah. because they Earl always obscure, very deliberately obscures Ernest as he removes his hat and like peels yeah. it off. Because we have a theory that without oh, yeah. the hat, he's just Jim Barney. He is So just they're, they're always just kind of like strategically placing themselves. It's almost like... His head is like nudity that needs to be obscured. Not yeah. that we don't ever see Ernest without a hat, because we do. We but do. it is jarring. It's not that he isn't Ernest. He just looks really different. Sure. So eventually, the recipe Ernest goes with is Granny Worrell's Blue Ribbon Surprise. Correct. Which makes me think that it's just like blue ribbons baked into... That's what I assumed. <laughs> so he bakes it, goes to the neighborhood cook-off, or the neighborhood bake-off, rather, and... It's weird because, like, the outside world, whenever they go to participate in something, the world is always made up of black and white. Stock footage, yeah. Like, public domain footage yeah. from the 1950s. It's like, it's the makeup, and it's just a bunch of people in the 50s, like, going, yay, yeah. at, like, a county fair. Well, that fits with the aesthetic of the, the intro, which was, like, this oh, you're right. daytime Emmy award-winning piece of title design at yeah. that time. The show got two daytime Emmys, one for mm -hmm. title design and one for best actor in a mm -hmm. children's series. Yeah. yeah, But it's weird how kind of stylish it is. Yeah. Like, it's really kind of a strange intro for this goofy subject matter. Like the show's yeah. kind of more hook, 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 and then the intro's like, like really arty? stylish. Yeah. yeah. You know? But it is very much the 30-year rule that the 80s are fascinated with the 50s. Yeah. We're fascinated with the 80s. Well, it also feels, um, we've talked about the design sense of Ernest's world being sort of 99 cent stores and tacky objects. And the, the intro does feel yeah. sort of like the design, like motion graphics version of a tacky object. There's lots of flying sunglasses yeah, and like roller yeah. skates and nonsense. It's stuff that Ernest would trees. purchase. Yeah. And uh, black and white stock footage is probably free. Back to the outside world. Yes, sorry. Of Ernest's neighborhood. The bake-off happens. As it turns out, Blue Ribbon Surprise wins. Yep. Ernest is like, I won, I won. I got a life-size supply of gooey boy muffin cakes. The judges loved it, Burn. They didn't go any further. They stopped right in their tracks. As it turns out, he's essentially poisoned the judges. <laughs> oh, no. Because he goes, here, Vern, try it. And Vern tries it and immediately falls over. Yeah. Like, the camera <laughs> basically looking at yeah. backwards. Yeah. Nice. We go to commercial, I think. Or we go to some interstitial. Yep. And then we cut back to Ernest. And he's sitting in the chair. With like a pregnancy belly. He's got a he has big, a food baby. He's got a food baby. And he's got chocolate smeared all over his face and body. All the muffin cakes have been ravaged, I'll yeah. say. And he's going, Ugh. And as it turns out, he's eaten his lifetime supply of gooey <laughs> uh. boy muffin cakes. <laughs> and he's like, Vern. Always share with a friend is yes. the moral of this episode. Yep. And then he says, Vern, do you have anything for a tummy ache? And Vern, cheeky Vern, hands him a muffin cake. He says, the taste of victory sure is sweet, but remember, Vern, 
You are what you eat. He's a gooey boy. Although, as we learned in a later episode, just because something rhymes doesn't Doesn't make make it it true. true. It's true. Yeah, I just... Because it didn't rhyme. What I like about the muffin cake thing is that it's something I would do and have done similar things. We've all done this, right? No, but I've overindulged. Oh, sure. In my enthusiasm. Yes. We've all overindulged, right? That's why Alka-Seltzer exists. Not me. I think it's just you, yeah. I'd never overindulge in anything. Sorry. The dang. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ernest. So after that, it's episode 10. Hey, Vern, it's holidays. This is actually one of my favorites. I don't quite know why. I think it's just because... I think it's just because Ernest is just having such a good time, and I, mean, I like to watch him have a good time. It's a celebration. Time. Yeah. This uh, this second disc of the series has two completely transcendent moments in it <laughs> okay. that where all context disappears, and it's just me watching a thing happen and marveling at it <laughs> and just being entranced. That's kind of what I feel is happening when I watch Ernest movies. I'm like, this isn't a film. This is just an experience. I'm just watching this happen. Both of these transcendent moments happen in this episode. Oh, wow. Okay. This episode is jam-packed. Oh, man. Okay. Well, the premise of this episode for Ernest is that he wants to be in the record books, which is an 11-year-old thing to do. Sure. That's When you're 11, you want to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. So Ernest, be, <laughs> Ernest is discovering all those eleven-year-old moments at the age of forty. He wants to set a record. Something happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something happened to Ernest. He decides that he's going to be the first person to celebrate all the major holidays in one day. Starting off, that kind of seems like a bad idea. Like that <laughs> no, almost seems like it no. might be a living hell, but it's not. It's it's a wonderful thing. In this well, I mean, I was concerned just insofar as there's like a lot of seasonal items that maybe you can't get at whatever time of year it is. It, yeah. takes, it takes a rambunctious and optimistic spirit like Ernest P. Worrell to really be able to live the joy of every holiday in sure. a single day. Yeah. Yeah. He's not If someone short was going to do it, it would be him. Yeah. I appreciate that actually he starts with New Year's Eve rather than ends with New Year's Eve. Yep. He's like, nope, January 1st, technically 1st. Yeah. Yep. And he butchers Old Lang Syne. This is my favorite. May owl maintenance be real hot and never hard to find. I love owl maintenance. (laughs) What is owl maintenance? (laughs) It's uh, It's not hot yet. I I think it's (laughs) self-explanatory. What's the name of that uh, um, Mondegreen when you uh, sing the wrong uh, lyrics to a song? Like, excuse me while I kiss this guy. I think it's called a Mondegreen. Wow. Because I think it comes from a song in like the 1800s or something where it was supposed to be like- Like there's a bathroom on the right? It is like that, yeah. But the song in the 1800s, I think, was like, and laid them on the green, but it was always misinterpreted as, and Lady Mondegreen or something like that. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so that's why those are called Mondegreens now. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. My I love it. Owl maintenance be real hot. I never had to find. Yeah. And then he goes, okay, kiss me, Vern. And Vern kisses Ernest, yes. which is super weird. <laughs> yep. Yes. Right? I was like- Oh, I expected Vern to be like the head shake, yeah. but no, he just goes for this it. This is one of my high lit moments. Like, I love it when he, it's so casual and fast. He's like, he sings a song and he's done. Kiss my Vern. <laughs> and Vern just kisses it like, yeah, that's what we do. What is this relationship? Well, I, I kind of noticed this later on. I made a note about this. Like, Vern is very impressionable and he's actually along for the ride most of the time you think of Vern as this like critical character because he does the window slamming thing but I think Vern is more like kind of happy that Ernest shows up 
And he also likes to slam the window on his finger. So they're both three years old. You yeah, know what I, I think? I think Vern's this weird character. It's like, oh, look, it's him. He's back. Oh, he stuck his hand in there. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he puts the window down. And you know, Ernest does his thing. And this delights Vern. Sure. I do feel like this is a different Vern than in the ads. Because in the ads, Vern is very like, seems like very much like he doesn't want Ernest to be there. Yeah. But in this show, there are moments where Vern wholeheartedly participates. He buys Ernest a, a puppy. A dog, yeah. yeah. I feel like in this series, they are actually the best friends that Ernest says they are. That's yeah. really interesting. Ta- well, time has passed and they are now friends. Like I think in the ads, it is it is the context of, of advertising. It's like, yeah. hi, I'm a pitch man. Get out of here. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Oh, geez, this guy. It goes from there. But this, they've actually developed a genuine bond. Or yeah. Ernest wrote the series. <laughs> <laughs> it's from that <laughs> point of yeah, view. That's also possible. <laughs> but in the context of this show, it seems like they are best friends, even though yeah. Vern gets frustrated with him and sometimes stands by and watches terrible things happen to Ernest. Sure. That's <laughs> the only way he's going to learn. After New Year's, we get Groundhog Day. Mac and George Groundhog Day is way more entertaining than it has any right to be. It's just Mac holding a flashlight and pointing it towards George. <laughs> And then George pops out of a hole in a box. And I don't think Mac gets the point of Groundhog Day. I think if he holds the light and George doesn't get it, then that means that it's going to be spring early. But he's like, will you hold still? I got to shine the thing on there and see. Well, it's like, of course, you're going to see the shadow if you make him hold still. And then you look. Like, that's right. Yeah. You got to like take so this as it comes because that's the whole point of So uh, Mac Groundhog is rigging Day. this. Yes. Then. He wanted six more weeks of winter. Does anyone have any notes on Existo? This is the one (laughs) Existo sketch where I genuinely laughed. Okay, because I just wrote Existo eats a hot dog, and I don't know why I wrote it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, We haven't really talked about him. We haven't talked about He's Bruce Arnson. He's a bad magician. But that's it. So he always introduces him as like with some sort of like different adjective, like Existo the acerbic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But in this one. Conspicuous. He never (laughs) thinks it up beforehand. The noteworthy so in this one he introduces himself as i'm existo the unbelievable guy he always he always does that he just was like guy but something about his delivery just really like caught me and i was like all right this is pretty funny when he does the conspicuous he he does this like gesturing where he's oh he's yeah like, he's searching for the word and i think in the hobbies one he says something about a way to spend your time and he's like a wonderful and inner entertaining way to spend your time like he almost sounds sarcastic but i don't think he is he's, he's just like, like more words i need <laughs> yeah. words he, he to feels speak. very uncomfortable in his own skin and just like yeah. trying he's so hard to not like pass out from like nervousness is how I, but, I interpret it yeah or maybe there is maybe an element of like it it's is like, like an element of he doesn't want to be here he's like yeah what am i gonna say to these people <laughs> anyway whatever yeah. you know there's something it's like that whatever thing yeah. that I think is so funny because he keeps doing it he insists yeah. on getting up there every time yeah. you know why I feel like he's on a cruise ship yeah something. I can see that yeah, it, sure. it's a living at the end of Ernest's block is just a cruise ship parked <laughs> I believe that I'll give it to Existo he did fit that whole hot dog in his mouth yeah his thing is I'm gonna make a hot dog disappear and he just puts an entire hot dog into his mouth does he gave it. him props he yeah. does it yeah. My favorite Existo thing, which was in disc one, he comes back, he's like, I'm Existo, and not a moment ago, I had all these plates spinning. Oh, yeah. You should have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen I don't think I could do it again. I'll try, but I just know. He tries to spin, and it just doesn't happen. He just goes like, 
why? <laughs> like, but anyway, uh, Ernest makes up some holidays in this. There's a lot of made up holidays. He makes up procrastination day. He says, we just got 10 seconds to celebrate procrastination day, but I think I'm going to like hold off. Yeah, that's a funny joke. <laughs> that would have been, if I had watched it as a child, that would have been where I learned the word procrastination. Uh, that one flew right by me. So later in the episode, uh, someone says, happy meat week. Ernest says yeah. he's celebrating meat week yeah. with and Woody. And we're hanging up the luncheon meats or something and, yeah. like that. Meat week actually is a thing, but it's, sure. it started in 2005. Whoa, oh. whoa. Whoa. So Ernest was ahead of his time. Of course he was. Nice. Yeah. After procrastination day is Valentine's Day, which is just Jim Varney's face that, sticking out of a hole. That is <laughs> the first transcendent moment. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a holiday and it matches the, the episode. But honestly, the way it comes up, it's just like there's no reason given. You just see a box opens up. There's a space in there. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> like, happy Valentine's Day, Vern. Be mine. Know what I mean? <laughs> Be mine, know what I mean. It's it's so like its own thing. Hand me one of them caramels there. Lid back on, cut. Yeah. <laughs> I just love imagining Ernest setting that up. Oh, yeah. Mount it, cut a hole out. Yeah, like, cut a hole in Vern's yeah, table. With a table. <laughs> but as I said in the last episode, you can't go wrong with sticking Jim Barney's big face through a hole. That's true. It's <laughs> just, just great. Can't. And having it be a surprise when you lift the lid off. <laughs> yeah. the it's like I'm watching the show and you kind of, you know, it's, you didn't it's know possible to glaze over a little bit when <laughs> you're, Mexican when you're radio watching music this show. Video. And, then, and then that thing just happens and it's like, <laughs> 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 that's pretty good. Oh, after that is my favorite Dr. Otto sketch in the entire series. Yep. Yep. This is another made up holiday that only Dr. Otto and his messed up family celebrates, which is National Smash-A-Roach Day. Yep. He says it starts on Smash-A-Roach Eve, which is just maybe having the <laughs> Smash-A-Roach Eve. He That's says where you prepare. It all begins by leaving out half-eaten TV dinners on Smash-A-Roach Eve, followed the next day with National Smash-A-Roach Day. There's a big dinner, and there's caroling, and it's all followed by exchanging gift roaches. And <laughs> so gross but my best part is that he sings the song tis the seed and to smash roaches la 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 <laughs> he smashes the roaches with his hammer he's just like isn't that he, fun and it's like yeah it is, I guess it is that fun. seems like a pretty good holiday <laughs> it yeah. does seem like a great holiday ah <laughs> uh, it's the best um let me get Easter which Easter is straight up a reused ad footage it's just like mm. a spot where Ernest says happy Easter and like he says I love to eat the eyes off this terrifying chocolate, chocolate bunny, rabbit yeah but he eats the eyes well off. it's those weird sugar candy eyes yeah, right? yeah. yeah but they're like pink so it looks like the bunny has bloodshot eyes yeah <laughs> Chuck and Bobby do an Easter egg hunt. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. right. And I have a note right here that just says, uh, stop licking the chocolate rabbit pop, Bobby. And then Mother's Day is one of Auntie Nelda's degenerate sons sends her that sunflower costume. I'm assuming it's Jaime. I feel like Jaime is the dead one. <laughs> um, Wait, do we know for sure that one is dead? Well, I'm not talking about just the context of this show. You're talking about Auntie Nelda in general. In the span yep. of all Ernest properties, occasionally Auntie Nelda will say she has a dead son. Well, she does that in Christmas, Christmas I know. Yeah, she says the, ba- the good one died. Wouldn't you know it, the good one died. But I she, feel like it's so another son. She does have a dead son. Oh, yeah. I feel like she liked oh, Jaime. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because she says it reminds me of my son Jaime. I feel like he's... Oh, I, okay, I buy that. 
And Ernest doesn't visit his mother so much as he takes a photo of her yep. off the wall and kisses it. He's like, Mom, I love you. We'll, we'll do, do lunch. lunch. Ernest's parentage is always so baffling to me. Maybe he just, uh, he had to do all it's this stuff. Terrible... Maybe he did talk to his mom. Maybe he did call her. It was just not when he was on camera. No, he was on <laughs> camera talking to us. <laughs> he kisses a photo of his mother. And by the way, the photo is just Jim Vardy in a wig oh, and yeah. dress. It's the same It's the same one from my like, camp and all <laughs> yeah. those commercials and stuff. And yeah. it's black and white. Like yeah. the decisions that get made, it's a black and white photo. It's so like Little House on the Prairie or something. When I was learning Photoshop, I took a photo of my brother and made it look old timey. Mm-hmm. And then we we just had it around. So we ended up using it in films that I made. Oh, yeah. I remember this so, photo, I mean, yeah. if we take the Ernest Brain Trust's approach to being like, oh, we've got, like, we got? that and that and that and that. We around. have this photo of Jim in a dress and a wig. Oh, yeah. That's Ernest's mom. Whatever. Let's okay. use it. Like, that's what it feels like to me <laughs> from, like, uh, in terms of the nuts and bolts of it. Oh, Lord. At this, at some point, this isn't related to any particular holiday, but Mrs. Simon Simmons does teach us how to be sarcastic to family members about the food they bring to holiday picnics. I love Mrs. Simon it was tact. Now, tact is a talent. Oh. These are delicate ways to tell our loved ones that we don't care for any of their salad or casserole. She's got she some passive-aggressive like, tendencies. She's got, good, she's got a good one where she goes, You brought that last year, didn't you? I thought we ate it all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow, Mrs. Simon Simmons. She could mean... You used this you recipe last year. Yeah. yeah. And then she just, she pins it with the, <laughs> I thought we ate it all. Yeah. It's, it's so well, elegant. Well, she's being tactful. Dainty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's minding her manners, man. Oh, and Memorial Day. I don't remember Memorial Day. Did because they didn't celebrate it. Oh. But Ernest says he's going to celebrate it, and then he doesn't. Because I wrote it down as he said, I'm going to celebrate all these holidays. But then he never addresses so wait, it. So is that like he a forgot. flag day? <gasps> he forgot to remember That's Memorial Day. That's what I'm saying. It's like day. a bad joke. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think that was on purpose. <laughs> all right. After that is Father's Day. Now, I have a lot to say about Father's Day. Besides Ernest, first let's talk about my father, the clown. They also have International Clown Day, which is a separate thing, right? Which is coincidentally falling on the same day as Father's Day oh, this I, see, year. See, I didn't pick up on that. That's what happened. Because Eddie's sitting there and he's like, why can't I have a normal Father's Day with my father? <laughs> and his father's like, because it also happens to be International Clown Day. And that just happens to be how your father puts the food on this table. And you're like, oh, You're geez, a horrible parent. How yeah. dare you? Because what they're having to eat is rubber chicken. Rubber chicken. And I'm just like, oh, God, Eddie is hungry all the time. Oh, I feel God. so bad for this Eddie's child. Eddie's like, oh, rubber chicken again. <laughs> a quote I have here is, you sure know your way around a rubber chicken. The two clowns are, like, really happy that she made rubber chicken. Well, sure. Uh, Mike's like, you spoil us. And Mom is like, I do it for all my men. And I just wrote, no, you do, do it, it for two of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. Eddie has the worst Father's Day ever. That's true. But getting back to Ernest, now this is where I want to preface my statements about Ernest's Father's Day. Okay. So it didn't mention baby Ernest, but Ernest's father is present when Ernest is a baby. Sure. Because Ernest, baby Ernest is always talking about his mommy and daddy. Yeah. But aside from baby Ernest, we never see Ernest's father in the family album. He is conspicuously absent. Yeah. In the Disneyland special where Ernest goes to Disneyland, his grandfather takes him. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so... What happened between baby Ernest and 11-year-old Disneyland Ernest that his father's just not there? Is he dead? Did he leave? I feel like Ernest's father is some kind of missing puzzle piece into who the character of Ernest P. Worrell is. I feel like he's like... he's always trying to prove himself to Vern, but that could be a stand-in for trying to prove yourself to somebody else, like an absentee father. Sure. I don't know. But in another episode, maybe Ernest says that his father gets butterflies in his stomach 
before he has to make a speech. Mm. I was like, maybe his father, if he has to make speeches, maybe he's like a politician. I was like, his father like, is a president and changed his name or some sort word? of a secret agent, secret agent dad. <laughs> like, secret agent who, dad. who has killed a lot of people. <laughs> Ernest Baby Sel- Ernest is Ernest's inner child. Oh man. Well, the thing about Ernest celebrating Father's Day in this episode is that he doesn't, he's in a car and he's like, I'm just going to drive around this track before I celebrate Father's Day. And then he drives a car and runs someone off the road. So he doesn't celebrate Father's Day. He avoids celebrating Gets Father's Day. It, yeah. He's wow, just I like, pick he up on puts any of it that. off. He's like, let me not. I was like, Ernest, what's the deal with your dad? <laughs> just celebrate Father's Day. It won't kill you. I just wrote, there might be some issues there and underlined it. Yeah. Then he does drive a 1950s black and white car off, off a cliff. Then he immediately goes to visit Earl the Barber. Yep. No issues there whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I realized why he keeps visiting Earl. Why? It's just a a kindly, nurturing male figure that was around and and Ernest was a little kid and gave him haircuts and he was a little kid. That's interesting because later on in my notes, I do have a note that is essentially, why does Ernest keep coming back to Earl? I think it's the comfort of the the older male. I I buy it. It was going right over my head. (laughs) I, I was like, no, why does he keep coming back? (laughs) Earl is a terrible barber <laughs> and in this- he is the worst barber and, ever. and then he comes in ernest comes in and he's like hi earl i'm celebrating all the holidays because he always he i think he wants to tell earl what he's doing oh, yeah. it's like an excuse to have a conversation with earl he comes in and he's like i want to look like a festive wall street tycoon er- earl seems to <laughs> to approve of ernest always approves. you know in his oh, yeah doddering, not even taking an information he calls way. Oh, all right, come here. Let me lower those ears for you. <laughs> it's it's very comforting. Always lower the ears. Yeah. Like so Ernest's stand-in for a father, just so we're clear here, is a man who, by all counts, has most likely had a stroke. Yeah. yeah. All right. Earl does seem to suffer from dementia. Yes. And in, in, in this case, he makes Ernest's hair, he thought that he said a wedding in June, which... Earl is 1,000% not a holiday. It's just a wedding cake. It is, yeah. You know what else it isn't? A haircut. (laughs) (laughs) It is a haircut. You are correct, It's just not a... No, I would never have said that. Could not be more wrong. Yeah. He's like, it's great look for summer. Makes you look taller. You know what? It could work. I mean, Earl is well-meaning enough. It could work. In this neighborhood, it could work. This neighborhood of insanity. After that, Woody proposes National Earnest Day, which I actually think there should be one. That's when everybody gets to talk loud, act stupid, and look dumb. Oh, yeah. Shut up, Woody. And then they celebrate the 4th of July. Ernest waves around the American flag. Thank God. Oh, see, can you see? Hey. That's the... (laughs) Just the way he injects hay. Yeah, it's the Uncle Joey. By the dawn's early light. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) It's like vaguely Elvis-esque. I feel like he's channeling Steve Martin. Oh, I could see that. And that makes me happy. Yeah. (laughs) So the 4th of July, they do the pool water ski gag. Although this time, the truck is being driven by Chuck and Bobby. That's right. After that, Bruce Arnson sings a song about wanting his own holiday. I would like to say, yeah. I really enjoyed this song. I actually did too. Well, I just like that he he plays the calendar like it's a little keyboard. Like a synthesizer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought and that he's was like surprised well that it makes a noise and he's yeah. like, oh, cool. Yeah. I like his suspenders. <laughs> this, I was saying, this is the he's... most charming I've ever found him. Yeah. It, it's just like a fun song. It's, just... it's well written. He sings it well. 
whenever anybody one, sings on the show, it's impressive. He yeah. does it in one shot, yep. which is also impressive. Yeah. It's a performance. And then Labor Day is just Ernest going, why don't they call it Relax Day? And my note on that was, that's a really good point, Ernest. Because it's honoring labor. It's about you base it on what you honor, not what you do. Yeah, that's true. There you go, Ernest. It's a day of relaxation <laughs> for those who labor. Yeah. Halloween. All right. Halloween, uh, first we get baby Ernest. That's true. And baby Ernest says that they, his parents went to a Halloween party, and one of his parents asked which witch was which. All I wrote down is maybe baby Ernest's parents are socialites. I'm trying to form like oh, the picture I can see of that. like Ernest's father was somebody really important, yeah. and then just like left at some point. He's like, do a, you uh, think he left or did he die? I kind of want to like. I assume that both of his parents are still alive. Yeah, maybe he's I like think, a, a Charles Foster Kane type. I think if his father had died, Ernest would have celebrated Father's Day rather mm. than spinning someone off the road. I still think like maybe a writer put that in there to just sort of do a thing. And then people agreed that that made Ernest make sense. It does. Yeah. This is well, I mean, I also wonder in the podcast. if the Ernest writers just sort of like had the same kind of discussions that we often have as they went through. <laughs> I, I I don't know about that. No, <laughs> I find it hard to believe. Am I giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt? Uh, I think we're just we're in a we're coming at it from a different angle. I feel, but I could be wrong. You know, I could be wrong. Yeah, I will say that I think we're having this discussion now because the stated goal of this podcast, I'm paraphrasing here, is to over-discuss things. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> There's also that. Because I think a lot of this is probably driven by a, uh, uh, what's a good gag for this part? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look at the baby. He's got his head stuck through the mattress. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of this podcast is reconciling Ernest. We love him. Now we just got to frame him in a way that makes him make sense so that he can be real. It's almost, in a way, it's sort of not so much about Ernest. It's a little bit about us. Yeah. You're right, Tom. Absolutely right. That's beautiful. It's about what we need from Ernest. Because he provides. So Ernest, well, adult Ernest, goes trick-or-treating. That feels sort of contradictory to say. I don't know what he's dressed as. I think he's wearing a cape and a fedora. It's a time-honored tradition, though, uh, trick-or-treating too late into your <laughs> into your teenage years, anyway. Your 12s and 13s. It's so sad. Yeah, there's it's like a time where you have to be like, ah, this, yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. But if Ernest comes to your door, you're like, all right, the kids and Ernest. <laughs> Just I, I, give sure. him the candy. <laughs> I don't even think he gets candy, though. He gets, like, tacky objects. Because it's not Halloween time. But it's not Halloween. Time. That's if true. it were Halloween, they would give him Snickers bars. Yeah. He actually says, I didn't think through the neighborhood be prepared. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. I made out pretty well. And he has <laughs> like adult, he tools. had reasonable expectations. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. He did. He li- he must have said before going out like, like I don't know if they're going to be ready for this, but I am doing this today. So Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get any candy, but he gets like gardening tools. I love that the neighborhood was like, "Sure, Ernest, uh I got this." The neighborhood is wise to Ernest Ernest shenanigans. Shtick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be no surprise yes, that, it's like, oh, that the neighborhood is actually kind of prepared okay. for Ernest. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case as the Ernest gregarious seller. as he is. Sure. <laughs> what else? Oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. We're getting to the end. Oh. We just skipped past the other transcendental. Oh, I'm so sorry. What, right, was what, it? what is it? Do you remember the hog calling hog day? Ca- oh, oh because National I think Hog Calling Day. That's it right. is also not a real thing. Just as completely out of the blue, self-contained, and I'm just gonna kind of go through it because it is amazing. I remember Please. this. He explains it to to Bobby, and he's like, "And here's how you do it." And then you get a close up of Chuck going, "Sue, yee, woo, 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 wee." It's <laughs> this like insane noise. And then he comes back and he goes, okay, now 
you're me, and now I'm the pig. So now you do it. And then he goes over there and stands like over there. And then Bobby starts going, yo, it's like this weird chopped up lame yodel. And then cut to Chuck going, that's right. And he's got this like crazy enthusiastic look on his face. And there's no punchline. Yeah. It, it just does that just and then it. it's over. And <laughs> and it's just one of those things where I'm watching and I'm like, this is all there is. It's just me and this thing yeah. together. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Stop that and rewind it. Carrie, come over here. Look at this. It's a moment in it, time. It is its, it's own value. There's no payoff because yeah. the whole thing is just pay dirt. This is the payoff right here. Yeah. The three of us together. Uh, I'm going to go home and watch it again. That part. So after that, we celebrate Thanksgiving in the traditional Ernest way, which is that Ernest saws a table in half as he saws a roasted turkey. By the way, the tongue thing in this episode is just like, he's like, there should be a tongue day. Because all the tongue does is complain, really. He's in the Auntie Nelda category of characters who are put upon and uh, unappreciated. Speaking of Auntie Nelda, for Thanksgiving, she says, What do I have to be thankful for? My relatives all ignore me. I'm eating peanut butter. That is one of the most sobering things I have ever heard on this show. This is a senior citizen saying, what do I have to be thankful for? Because it just gets darker. She says, I'm eating peanut butter. Then she says, but at least I don't have to eat it with Ernest P. Worrell. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, I just go, Whoa, this that's kind of intense, lady. Sobering moments. <laughs> yeah, she's like Ernest's opposite, maybe more than any other character. I get she the idea be. she was kind of a wildcat when she was younger. She's over it now. <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. They're done now. What did happen to that neck? What was that neck injury? <laughs> All the holidays are spent except for Christmas. Christmas, our favorite Ernest holiday. He celebrates Christmas, and he says that he is now head honcho of holidays. That's true. We don't know if he ever made it into the record book, but he's celebrating Christmas. It turns out that Vern has gotten him a Christmas present, which is a one-way ticket to Borneo. Yeah, and I he's just, just like, the way he's- thanks, Vern. That's my favorite part. Thanks, Vern. Yeah. Thanks. I, I, in my notes, I wrote thanks, Vern, as all one word. He's not amused yeah. at all. Isn't that sort of an unusual moment that he actually gets what's going on there? Like, You're right. Yes. Yeah. That's, he that's usually would be just thrilled to go somewhere, wouldn't yeah. he? But at yeah. this point, he actually kind of realizes something. This he, episode is really heavy. <laughs> it's yeah. like. I think Ernest realizes a lot more than he lets on. Yeah. Sure. And he, a lot of it is a willful uh, a happy face yeah um, willful uh, denial yeah, yeah. yeah but after that we get a little moral about holidays where Ernest is just like oh and now i know why we celebrate holidays separately so, oh, yeah, so nice. we can so you can spend time with your family and relax or that's the moral and the well chocolate. that's that it's spread out across the entire year i think he says yeah yeah and he says we forgot to celebrate the best holiday of all Vern's birthday. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Vern has some uh, breathing problems, but... Yeah, he says, Vern, blow out... He has a birthday cake for Vern and a bunch of party balloons. (laughs) And he's like, Vern, blow out your candles. And Vern... Yeah, he's just got some labored breathing. Yes. He's trying to blow out the candles. And Ernest is just... He's watching Vern blow out these candles with just like the most contented look on his face. Like he's just happy to be there. Just happy to be sharing this moment. Vern. It's a celebration of his best friend. Vern can succeed at blowing out these candles. 
or not. It this is just matter. wonderful. This is just us. We're here together. He looks so content. He's looking at Vern so happily. And he goes, If I was making a wish, you know what I'd wish? I'd wish we could spend all our holidays together. And it's such a sweet moment. And then... Yeah. This is your moment, Tom. <laughs> and Tinelda interrupts this moment. If you want togetherness earnest, try a chain gang. She is so brutal. Try a chain gang. Yeah. Bye, kids. Mommy, what's a chain gang? What have you been watching? <laughs> Ernest. Oh. After uh, Ernest celebrates all the holidays, the next episode, episode 11, is Haven It's School, where I'm sure you all have many questions. I think this was my favorite episode of Disc 2. Well, this is a different episode because, like, Ernest is at school. Yes. He's usually at Vern's house. So Ernest goes to school. It starts out because Ernest wants a fancy watch that he sees in a magazine. Yes. It's called the Relatomatic X115 Topographical Time Expander wristwatch. He says it has a weather vane and it plugs into your plumbing. Yeah. This is when anything that had any sort of computing ability was something to be lusted after and then once acquired, cherished. Yeah, if I have this watch, I'm like James Bond, basically. Uh, Apparently, money isn't the issue here as so much as Ernest doesn't feel he deserves the watch. Yeah. (laughs) He just says... He says, I know, I'll pass all my subjects in school, that way I'll deserve to get myself this watch. What it reminded me of was Hey Vern, It's Clothes, where mm-hmm. Ernest is running the costume contest, yep. yeah, yeah. and he wants to come in first place in his own costume <laughs> contest. It, yeah. And as viewers, you're like, Ernest, you could just give yourself first prize, but that's not how Ernest works. No. Yeah. He needs to feel that he has proved himself, g- proved himself and gained the status that he's like, okay, now I have ascended to a place where I deserve this thing. <laughs> he's too genuine to... He's uh, got to win it, right? Exactly. He's got to yeah. do everything by the book. It's sweet. So I, yes. I think no, it's, very it's very much very, in, in it's character. Uh, so he's like, I have to pass every test in school, which... And, and they do actually call it out as junior high school. They're junior that, high That kids. leads to more crazy questions yeah. than I think For, you really want to get out of that place. <laughs> you Or you don't. I don't I don't know. No, oh, you, you do. do. You want to get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is with Ernest. Like, he goes to junior high he's written all the subjects down a giant piece of paper and he's making puns of all his subjects he's like i gotta pass history can we take a moment to just appreciate gym class it's just right there i may have applauded the television i was like this is the best joke i've ever heard he spells gym j-i-m yep and and he says gym class is no sweat sweat. yeah (laughs) so yeah Ernest goes to junior high if that wasn't weird enough Chuck and Bobby also go to junior high. Yes. I just wrote, what is happening? I wrote, okay, wait, is the entire neighborhood in school? Just the men children. Yeah, I think that's accurate. There are three men children in the neighborhood. And then actual junior high aged kids around them. Correct. There's desks that are too small for them. And they're just sitting there surrounded by children who are looking at them like, okay. That is a truth fact. And Ernest is an enthusiastic student. So oh, usually, sure. And maybe it's not for lack of trying, but I feel like I feel like Ernest probably just daydreams too much. He, mm. he cannot stop that brain of his. Maybe the designy interstitials are Ernest's daydreams <laughs> that we're seeing. Because as we've seen before, Ernest's daydreams are something that has some sort of window into reality. I just haven't thought about any of this, and you guys are making me really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ernest spends a lot of time just trying to get his locker open. Oh, yeah. Of course, because... But He's, he's earnest. At certain points in the show, he also gets back into his pitch man phase, and he's almost kind of like trying to pitch lockers as like a cool thing. 
Like you and your locker, Vern, the winning combination. He know just, what I mean? Oh, Ernest. Yeah. He just thought of that and he was like, I got to tell someone. <laughs> well, like, he's got to do that bit where he's imparting knowledge so wait, that he can be foiled at the end by his own ineptitude. Why is Vern in school? Actually, Vern is in this episode the least. But he, when he's doing the locker thing, he's talking to Vern. It's true. That's Vern true. had to give him a ride, I'm assuming. I, so also, but by the way, when he gets his locker open, there is a picture of Mel. It's Marilyn Monroe's face because Ernest loves Marilyn Monroe. And someone with a guitar. I couldn't tell who that was. Kind of like Buddy Holly, maybe. Or maybe. Yeah. I love Ernest in English class particularly because Daniel Butler is the teacher. Yep. And he asks what the first three words of Moby Dick are, and Ernest is really confident about this, and he's he's he says, "Call me Ishmael." In such a theatrical Ishmael <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. And then after he gets it right, like he does that face he does. Nailed it. <laughs> the nailed it face. But there's this girl like in the background just staring oh, at yeah. him. She's the best. She's just, She's just like, like, this is happening. Yeah. Like, who? I guess he's amusing. <laughs> She's Why like, is this 40-year-old guy <laughs> allowed to come here and ace our exams? And then Daniel Butler's like, okay, what are the last two words? And I just love the way Ernest raises his hand because he's like, ah! He, he strains like a seven-year-old that has to go to the bathroom. Ernest again. The end. <laughs> Did it. Nailed it. <laughs> God bless you, Ernest P. Worrell. I like that that teacher is played by the same guy that does the barber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pulling a lot of roles. Oh, in yeah. He shows a lot of range. Because he's also, later in the episode, he's a newsman. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention, I don't know before you wanted to get into this, but there is also a dance fever epidemic going through this school. Where yes. A, various kids are contracting dance fever. Oh, Ernest invents like a, um, oh, he does a science project for the science mm-hmm. fair, which is oh. a. You'd think he'd be great. but That's pure science. Pure science. Uh, <laughs> I love that he makes a machine and he says it's pure science. And then Dr. Otto just hears the word science from wherever he is. And he's like, pure science. Pure like, science. I love yeah. science. Those who judge science will regard this as pure science. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chalkboard eraser cleaner. The talk of science then inspires Dr. Otto to invent homework that multiplies itself. Yeah, yeah. Of course he does. It's evil. Auntie Nelda is a substitute teacher, by that the way. That is the best. Because <laughs> she really, like, turned, there's like a whole deal there so auntie nelda is a substitute teacher on the moon because out the window is earth wait and then a blimp blimp flies by by. what is happening and then she goes where's my apple and raises her hand and just goes (laughs) that's the best part thank you (laughs) she ninja catches the apple it's amazing (laughs) i love auntie nelda yeah they made a whole scene out of her there it was like so bizarre we are going for broke with auntie yeah, this episode's good. Do you guys have any notes on Chuck and Bobby? They're Just that Chuck's excuses are absurd. They're late to school and Chuck's making up crazy excuses. He Daniel Butler dollars for that it. cat. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like comically large uh, dollar amounts in this episode because Ernest is later trying to do that math problem. And uh, it's like, oh, that's $53,000 an apple. No, wait, that can't be right. I forgot he, to deduct the yucky worms. Yeah, exactly. But the Ernest math thing is that he like types onto his head as if he's he a calculator. Like a but it makes yeah. the noises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that. So, I guess he takes a break from school on his lunch hour. He goes to visit Earl the barber, who uh, is trimming his broom. That he's uh, he's, he's giving his broom his a broom haircut. haircut. He's yeah. like, look at those split ends. Yeah. And then Ernest comes in and he says, "Hey, Earl, I'm getting serious about school." 
Ernest, you're 40 years old. Are you now? In the seventh grade. You should stop and just do something else. Go to trade school at this point. Yeah. I just wrote a note here that Earl, sometimes it seems shady because Earl pushes him back into the chair and says, don't fight it. Yeah. Which I is just a little that. bit troubling. He's naming uh, his, his favorite Kenny Loggins song. Just a little bit. Don't fight it. Yep. Because Ernest always does look a little bit frightened. Whenever the haircut Given starts. Given the outcomes of those haircuts. It's like he remembers. As soon as he starts being pushed back, he goes, oh, wait. And then it's like too late. I should never have said that. <laughs> the haircut he, that he gets this time is complete buffoon, which is just like a clown. It's a clown, yeah. And Earl's like, I personally couldn't wear this. Yeah, he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't pull this off yeah. or something. But you wanted to talk about Bill and Koo. They sing a song in this episode about losing their number two pencil. Oh, so Bill and Koo, yeah. So Bill and Koo are Bruce Arntzen and Jackie Welch. Yep. They're country singers that are a couple because they because they country sing, singers. They sing in a very couplely way, and they they also sang a song in Pets about losing their dog. I think it's just they're parodying sad country songs. They just yeah. sing tragic songs, and yeah. they're good. Yeah, all I wanted to say was I liked it. At the end, they're just like, "Love you, Bill. Love you, Koo. Yeah, that's sweet." But yeah, in conclusion, they're in music class. Bobby is playing the recorder. It's all right, and then it's Ernest's turn. And he gets up and he plays. He does a slide whistle. Like he starts out being very like measured, and then it just becomes like slide whistle jazz. He like yeah, counts like, it off. Twinkle, and twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yeah, yeah and one and a two. And, yeah. And that's actually when Ernest does another one of "I'm aware this is a show. We'll be right back." Commercial yeah, break sort he, of thing, he, which is always odd to me. In music class, <laughs> and then he's like, "We'll be right back." Well, he earned it. Oh, speaking of earning it, he has earned his watch. Apparently, he passed all his classes. He got his giant watch that's on his wrist. My only note on this is, ha, 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 that watch. It's huge. <laughs> it's making the beeping sound that Dr. Otto's like invention yes. in the first episode made. It sounds like it's from space. It's bigger yeah. than a Pip-Boy. It's yes. huge. It's like, yeah. He's like, this is great. But then the joke is, of course, that it doesn't tell time. Yeah. Then he asks for what time it is. Nice. It may be pertinent to mention that Jim Varney was actually a huge fan of watches. I believe it. And had a large collection. And added that one to it, I hope. I hope so. Well, episode 12 is Havern, It's Lost and Found. This is a weird, like, why would you come up with Lost and Found? I think Jim Varney was just like, <laughs> pirate? Yep. Pirate? The premise of this episode is that Ernest is going on a treasure hunt in Vern's house. He has a treasure map. The episode starts off with Jim Varney in a sepia tone segment that I assume takes place in the past. Yes. Playing a actual pirate. He's fully dressed as a pirate. It's not Ernest. It's a pirate played by Jim Varney. And he's just, he's walking around. He's like, ah, Jim, where is me treasure? And he constantly calls us Jim. I assumed it was like a, a Captain Ahab thing. Aha, Jim. You know, Jim, I remember the day I lost my leg. Twas to a great white, Jim. See, I said in another episode when Ernest was dressed like a pirate, maybe they showed up to Jim Barney's house and that was happening. Just happening, yeah. This is the thing that was happening. They showed up and Jim Barney was dressed as a pirate, walking around, and, like, and they were like, what are you doing, Jim? And he's like, I'm not Jim, Jim. And they were like, get the camera. Get the camera. I'm just kidding. Jim Barney's just like some adorable like toddler that does adorable things. <laughs> oh, look what he's doing now. Go get the camera, dear. Go get the camera, JRC. Yeah, kind of. Yep. Or is, not. This <laughs> is the most oddly conceptual of the topics, and it is basically an excuse to have a treasure map. Although initially he's yeah, looking, yeah. he lost his book, Great Dogs in Science, That's the, yeah, yeah. which I'd love to read. Of course, that is <laughs> such a book that Ernest would read. Oh, yeah. So he's like, I lost my book, Great Dogs in Science. It's a library book. He has to return it. He picks up a book and he says, it looks like this one, but it's not this one. And then he opens it and there's a treasure map inside. Yes, it's very And he's goonies. like, wow, a treasure map. Let's go on a treasure hunt, Vern. 
like he says, look, that tree looks like your ugly tree. Like he has to insult Vern's tree. He also refers to the tree as big. Turns out to not it's be not big that tree at all. Looks maybe a couple years old. <laughs> Very small sapling. Yeah. When was this map made? So Ernest just spends the episode following this treasure map and wrecking Vern's property. He's following the map. And he he walks directly into Vern's house. He's outside, and he takes such an enthusiastic step that he like skips into the wall more than walks into it. And he hurts himself. He breaks his tooth. He's like, I think I broke my tooth. Yeah, that was. And weird. then he says, "Gosh, Vern, what a dumb thing to do." And for a second, I thought that he had some self awareness about how it was dumb to walk into the wall. But then he says, "You built your house right above where the treasure was <laughs> yeah, buried." Yeah, that's how that joke works. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. Damn it, Ernest. So then he starts digging a trench basically around Vern's house. Yeah, Vern's house now has a moat. Then he goes inside. That Vern gets to fill in. He goes inside and he's like, oh, here's an X. Here's an X because there's just various X's around yeah, Vern's house. Yeah, that seems house. suspect. It makes me think that Vern made the map. Yeah, just like, I'll keep Ernest occupied for like that's a couple hours. That's what it is, hours. but it's... you shouldn't have said it in your house. Yeah. Because there's an X on a coffee table and he's like, Oh, here it is. I'll start digging here. And he just smashes the coffee table with the mallet. <laughs> well, again, we don't know what Vern looks like. Uh, maybe he can't leave his house. That's very plausible. At some point, Ernest is like, oh, we'll have to like use dynamite to blow this part up. And then Otto hears it, I guess. And he's like, blow up Vern's house? Yeah. Were you just watching Dr. <laughs> like, Otto? Where are you, understand. Dr. Otto? You're right. Everyone can see everything that's happening. Yep. What is this? This neighborhood is like a Truman Show setup where there's just cameras everywhere, yeah. except that everyone's in on bet. it. Oh, Auntie Nelda, by the way, in this episode, she works at the Lost and Found. Best idea ever. You lost it, I found it. Yep. So she keeps answering the phone, and everyone in the neighborhood has lost their puns. So like, she's like, oh, you lost your voice, and has a voice in a jar, which I think is an earnest ad gag that we never really saw. Mm. But my favorite thing is that at some point the phone is ringing, and she's slowly walking towards it, and she's like, Keep your shirt on, I'm coming. And apparently she does it for minimum wage. Yeah, she does say that too. Okay, now that's the second one. And that's a yeah, really yeah. good one because it's like you lost your bowling ball. And she says, look around you. Do you see a hole labeled <laughs> <Yeah>. ball return? <laughs> and she hangs up and she's like, can you believe I do this for minimum wage? But, I'm a saint. But what I would like to know more about is in the voice one, the first one, she, she talks about, you know, speak up and then, oh, you've lost your voice. She says, uh, at least he's not like Ernest, who apparently has lost his mind. Oh, that's right. And she has... She got like some sort his of, brain, like, brain. Like some sort of phrenology thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a plastic brain. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in this show, people you in this be world right. lose voices in jars, Maybe and you can hear them. That's what happened to Ernest. Somebody removed half of his brain. That's possible. Well, that whole section. You just said it's possible. Like it's complete seriousness. Oh, in this world, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, of course it is. Because baby Ernest is like a super intelligent baby, like a baby genius baby. That's true. So maybe they were like, he's too smart. What do we do? And that's how they foiled his secret agent, his dad. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, Ernest, aside from the fact that he's following a treasure map, he also spends a good part of the episode fishing things out of Vern's couch. Couch mining or couch fishing. When he says it's oh, mining, right. he sticks his arm in, and then when it's fishing, he's, he's got a reel and a rod. Yeah. At some point, he pulls out a liver. Yeah, that was kind of gross. Yeah. A real liver. It's disgusting. All the kids are like, Ew, the little kids in boxes, the <laughs> Vern, omniscient godchildren. 
Vern is just like a blob of organs. Oh, and Mac and George, by the way, find what they say is a bone of one of George's ancestors, but looks like a grandfather. It looks like a human femur. Oh yeah, a giant one. Well, it's it's the bone of uh, George Zilla. Do you think George has human parents? I don't think so. Like they just gave birth to an iguana. I don't think so, actually. I still like. I think he's very proud to be an iguana. Oh sure, I mean. He's so like I, super so talented. I feel like he has iguana heritage because he's so proud of being an iguana. Iguana pride, yeah. Yeah, he's got iguana pride. Got it. Um, is there anything else interesting that Ernest fishes out of his couch? No, I just wrote down that, uh, I wrote down nice sectional couch, Jim. Props to him for putting the liver in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Earl the barber, by the way, when we see him, he's playing chess with himself and he's going, you cheated. No, you cheated. And this is the episode where I wrote down, why does Ernest keep coming back to Earl? But we've already answered that question, so let's press on. Yeah, I'm looking for buried treasure. So I need to look like a lean, mean treasure hunting machine. Oh. But since that treasure is going to make me rich, mm-hmm. make me look like a Wall Street tycoon. So he ends up looking like, this is real, large feet in a cartoon. Which are basically just clown shoes taped to the sides of his head. Yeah. And it is rather disturbing to me. Yes. There is, it is a disturbing visual. Mike the Clown. <sighs> oh, God. Eddie does not get Mike's jokes. Mike is trying to explain a comic strip to Eddie. Eddie doesn't get it. Mike is frustrated with him. Yeah. And then Skeeter comes in. And he's like, I can't find my seltzer bottle. And they immediately zero in on Eddie. And they're like, Eddie, because maybe this has happened before. And he's like, I'm sorry. I guess I didn't think it was funny. And they're like, maybe he didn't do it right. They spray Eddie with <laughs> seltzer. And they're like, nope, I guess, I don't know. So... Sorry, son. It's always funny to me. My blatant <laughs> child abuse is always funny to I me. I don't see what the problem is. It's and, always funny. And then, like, for no reason, Mike is just like, hey, Skeeter, did I ever show you how to milk an audience? And then just pours an entire pitcher of milk on the mother's head. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, that's what you get. Cause, like, <laughs> for not standing up for yeah, your child. Yeah. Because yeah. I bet she was like, Maybe if we have children, he'll focus on them. Oh, Maybe like this is the messed up logic at this mom. family. That's when both Carrie and I were just like, these guys are awful. Yep. Yeah, they're these horrible. Are horrible people. Yeah. It's like watching It's Always Sunny. <laughs> Compelling in a way, but you're all terrible humans. I hate these guys. Yeah. <laughs> a baby Ernest. Baby Ernest says that he heard his daddy saying to his mommy that baby Ernest, little Ernest, was his father's little treasure and worth his weight in gold. Mm. And I just wrote, in caps, then why did you leave, Daddy Ernest? Ooh. Do you think Sigh. Ernest's dad took that to heart so literally that he sold his child? No, I think maybe Ernest thinks his dad left because he didn't love him, but actually his dad is a secret agent and had to leave. Mm. And that would have been an Ernest movie reunion had oh, there man. been more Ernest I movies. Wish, I wish there would have been secret agent Ernest. Of course. That would have been fantastic. And him find his sec- finally be reunited with his secret agent dad. And he's just played by like Timothy Dalton yeah. or something. Like dirty 90s era James Bond, yeah. Timothy yep. Dalton. It writes itself. <laughs> Jackie Welch sings a song about her lost shoes. I lost my shoes. Again, incredible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. The in conclusion. Yep. Ernest is destroying Vern's house. He's sawing through Vern's floor. And he's like, oh, well, I guess you could just put a rug over this part. Yeah. And then he's like, who cares? We'll be rich. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Vern is letting him. Well, we have had discussions about why does Vern sit back? Like, maybe he's in a wheelchair. Like, maybe he actually physically can't stop I theorized Ernest. that he was a ball of light. Elisa's yeah. yeah. theory in uh, Ernest Saves Christmas episode was that Vern was an elderly man and had limited mobility. I'm yeah. going to put up a new theory. Maybe Ernest has broken into Vern's house and has tied him up. 
Oh, I don't think so. What do you need to make the fewest new assumptions to have it be true? Right. Well, I think this episode gives me more evidence for Vern. And we're almost there. Ernest basically destroys Vern's floor. He falls down into the basement. Which he calls a cavern. And then he says, hey, Vern, these pirates are clever. This is an exact replica of your basement. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he does. Oh, Ernest. Oh, Ernest. You're precious. It's precious when it's happening to someone else. Yeah. He finds so many things in Vern's basement. He finds an old homework paper. He finds his baseball mitt. He finds the book. Do you think maybe that Jim Varney pirate from the beginning was actually like behind all of this with like some sort of nefarious intent? To destroy Vern's house? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's related to Ernest. They I both have like the same goals. He's Ernest's great, 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 great. Ah, oh, maybe. Blackbeard Whirl. I still was thinking that Vern set up this little treasure hunt. Because there's like, plausible. there's an arrow. To make Ernest happy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's also an arrow pointing to a chest. That's true. And he's like, oh, a treasure chest. And he's really excited because he says, we'll be rich. We can buy a new pickup truck and shoes for life. Shoes for life is the thing that he gets really <laughs> excited about. I like that phrase. He just has a certain <laughs> view and understanding of the universe. He's just practical. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you set your expectations low, then you're always Achievable. super yeah, yeah. super happy and satisfied. He sets reasonable I, expectations. I kind of wonder if maybe he's not aware that there is more. Oh, that's also possible. That's you know? also, yes. Yep. It's everything I've ever wanted. Look, Vern, it's an extension cord with a three-prong adapter. But inside, there's an extension cord, and he finds 8-track tapes, X-ray 3D glasses, which is suspect. It's, again, filled with, like, 99-cent store junk. Soap on a rope. And then he also finds a box of Gooey Boy muffin cakes. What I love about this, he goes, for you, Vern, because he is damn sick of Gooey Boy muffin cakes after the food episode. Yep. And he finds his missing tooth in the chest. Which which is is odd. That makes me think that Vern did it. If it hasn't been out for too long, you can shove that thing back in and it'll take. Based on that, the ending kind of turns into like kind of a pseudo like dental PSA where Ernest is like, you know, Vern, you got to take care of your teeth. This is the moral. It comes with like, a story and a moral. It was the first time where I was like, this feels like a, like a CBS note. Like they were like, Ernest loses his teeth. Fine. You can do that gag, but you have to put a thing at the end <laughs> yeah, you're right. where you that say, could be a note. like, kids, take care of your teeth. Yeah, like, make we, don't sure want, says, we don't want kids yeah. going on treasure hunts, knocking down their front teeth. Yeah, yeah. But then this is what lends credence to one of the Vern theories we've got. Because then Ernest says, if you don't take care of your teeth, then you'll have to wear false teeth like you, Vern. And he reaches towards the camera and he pulls out a pair of chattering like dentures like toy dentures yep and then i was like oh maybe elisa was right yeah Vern is, is old maybe Vern is 90 years old he wears false teeth yeah ernest was a little kid and has been hanging around adult Vern all this time it was like dennis the menace and mr wilson kind yeah. of situation and it's gone on for far too long i still think Vern is happy for the company <laughs> i think on a level he yeah he I'm is being he, paid attention to he'd miss ernest if he wasn't there yeah wouldn't you? Of course. That's why we're here. And we've come to the last episode of this short-lived but lovely series. And with an appropriate topic, I think. This is Hey Vern, It's Talent. Aww. Yeah. The I like multi-talented it. Jim Varney. Yep, yep. The premise of this is that Ernest wants to win the neighborhood talent show. Because, of course, there's a neighborhood I, talent I show. I just wrote. Sure there is. I just wrote, <laughs> this is the most competitive neighborhood in America. Seriously. There is no other town that has this many competitions. There's only one competition. <laughs> competition there are many spin-off universes that's <laughs> you know I, that's a theory, and in some of the man. universes the competition is between Ernest 
and himself. Aww. I think you guys need to read Rant and the Man Who Folded Himself, and it'll give you a lot of insight okay. into um, I what's kind of going on do in this, this right now. This yeah. universe is well. This episode starts out with Vern, who is sculpting his own head in his kitchen. Vern is carving a a bust of himself. Yep. You know it's Vern because Ernest walks in and goes, "Wow, Vern, that looks just like you." And it's basically like a misshapen, like mannequin <laughs> head. Like there's no features. He yeah. calls out ears and eyes and stuff like that. Yeah. He's yeah, he calling draws. out features that are clearly not there. Correct. What kind of idiot does he think <laughs> I am? And then he drops it, shatters it, and then says, "Oops, sorry, Vern. I guess that's why they call it a bust." Oh, yeah, nice. before he drops it, he actually says, what a talent. Yeah. And then he says, you should enter this in the talent show that's coming up. And he says that the judges are going to give the prize to, and I'm quoting, the talent that's the most original. Okay. Does that the mean the talent most, that's the most original? Does that mean the most unusual, I guess? Yeah. Which is why, why the that? Sound of Music lady is probably going to win the talent show because she makes a baby cry noise and like a, <laughs> what right. was the other thing? A chicken. Yeah, Ba-ba. she can do a baby cry and a chicken and that's probably the most unusual talent. The baby crying for sure. Yeah. That's just a weird criteria for a talent show. Yeah. It has to be the most original talent. What? Well, I mean, to be fair, why? this talent show is being judged by... Um, a whole bunch of stock mayor footage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is in the na- who is the mayor? I just don't know who the mayor is. I want it to be a Worrell. I and don't probably, know. Yeah. All right. I'm picturing that like that ancient uh, Worrell from like uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. Yeah. Uh, Judge Phineas yeah. Worrell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's definitely played by Jim Varney, whoever the, na- the, the mayor, mayor is. is. Yeah. So Ernest is pretty convinced that he'll win the neighborhood talent show, even though he has no particular talent in mind. I have things to say about like, this. It's like, okay. So he spends the episode trying out things like, maybe this is my talent. At some point, he turns on the TV and he's like, maybe this, I'll see something that will remind me of what my hidden talent is. Yeah. He's reaching. Each episode of Hey Vern, It's Ernest is kind of like Ernest trying a new thing in a very childlike mm-hmm. way. And yeah. this, as the last episode, it's almost very appropriate because he's, the whole series could be seen as Ernest trying to figure oh, out yes, his talent. But then this definitely. is kind of like like a big finish. You're sort right. Of thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Yeah, the various talents that Ernest tries out. He tries out tuba playing. He tries out embroidering. He takes a correspondence course to learn animal calls. Which kind of ties into your comment earlier where it's like, why doesn't Ernest just take like trade school stuff? Ernest is the kind of person that would take correspondence courses. He always is trying to better himself. That's the thing. Oh, he yeah. does try. Absolutely. I feel like he would try to draw the turtle. <laughs> yeah, he totally would. And he tries snake charming, which is him just like, you come here often. You slithered divinely. I think he's buying it, Vern. Uh, I did kind of want to see the snake bite his face, like attack oh, his face. Oh, like in uh, Christmas? Like in, yeah, but it didn't. We skipped over the the tongue moment in this. Those crackers on the tongue, those are impressive props. Yeah. yeah they yeah. look like crackers. Oh, God, yeah. I forgot about the most disgusting tongue segment ever, which was in Lost and Found, which is when Ernest is flossing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that roast beef from that's last still good. week. It's still good. We can eat that. I was just like, Ugh. that's gross. The Lost and Found is that it's lost roast beef, and then they found... No, stop. <laughs> no. Well, no. We've lost there. So disgusting. <laughs> no, you can't eat that. I mean... Can I talk about Mac and George? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of well, course. I mean, I just love that we start out with Mac saying, you know, I'm very proud of my roommate George because he's yes. a very talented guy. Of course he is. And it's like, guy. we know, Mac. 
Yeah. We know. Another one of George's displayed talents, which is the big deal in this episode. Oh, yes. So Auntie Nelda is looking out the window. She's like, I can't believe it. It's amazing. And as that happened, I was immediately like, oh, please let her be talking about George. For a second, I was like, maybe Ernest is doing something that she approves of. No. Yeah. No. Nope. No. No, it's George. <laughs> George is parachuting. Yep. Mac is standing in front of a tree. And an iguana with a parachute drops in front of him. And I freeze framed it. And I was like, is that an iguana that they dropped on this man? I couldn't tell. It was too blurry. But like, Mac keeps talking. And he's like, yeah, George is trying parachuting. And then again, for the second, for a second time, an iguana drops from the sky. He's got a parachute, and it's definitely an iguana because its little limbs are flailing oh, like geez. crap, 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 as this poor thing falls. Like did, they just dropped Aww. an iguana from a tree. Well, oh, it's on a string. I was gonna suggest that maybe since they had fake iguana arms, they had a whole right, fake iguana. It is, it is on a string. But you're right. If the thing's moving, no, the, the limbs are flailing oh, like geez. crap. Call Peta. They just went for it. And then. Dr. Otto is doing, like, impressions? This is great, too. Because Dr. Otto, he specifically says that he wants to win the talent show because then people will invite him to parties without being tortured first. He actually says <laughs> That's that. That's true. Dr. Otto seeking the approval of the neighborhood is the weirdest thing ever. But he basically just does impressions of animals in pain. Yeah. First, a dog with a thorn in its paw. Ah! Next, a possum. Crossing a busy highway. I just remember that he wraps it up by saying, I taught Lonnie Don everything he knows. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Or later in the episode, he also says something like, Michelangelo is talented. Da Vinci was talented. Just goes to show you, talent won't keep you alive. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and you're like, what? And all that the five-year-olds watching are like, that's a really Mommy. broad conclusion to reach. The thing he's talking about, he's taking it from way too yes broad a viewpoint for it to be useful information. No matter what, you'll die, kids. Yep, death is inevitable. Thanks, Dr. Otto. But uh, back to more uh, lighthearted stuff, Ernest has a great talent. Oh, he does. And his talent that's great, and I loved it, is he carves soap into a model house. He's really good at carving things out and of it's soap. And it's kind of an amazing it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's a mansion. I'm biased because I love like miniatures and model uh-huh. making, but it's a fantastic Artist house. Ernest is good with his hands. Relax. What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> you raised an eyebrow. No, I didn't. It was a total <laughs> moving I right just along. looked at you. Yes. No, and this is another instance where Ernest's talent is not the cause for his downfall. It's just happenstance. He's just foiled. Yeah. It starts to rain. Yeah. I felt heartbroken for him. Yeah, it was a bummer. He, he gets distracted by the puns. He's like, I'm all washed up. Or is it down the drain? And then he just looks <laughs> at his house with such sadness. Bring the house inside. You can make a house outside just like... Bring it inside. Oh, it looks like it's going to rain. I'll take it inside. Yeah. That's yeah. all you have to do. Get an easy up. <laughs> exactly. Well, bubbles start forming immediately. It just yes. melts. Oh, yeah. Ernest. If Vern would help him bring it inside. But fortunately, Ernest has another great talent. He has a lot of talents. Uh, he also tries tightrope walking, which I really appreciate because when he's walking, he's like... I'll probably get a contract with a big top circus. I just love his endless optimism. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to be superlative in everything I do. And then <laughs> he sneezes and he falls down. He says he's working without a net. He sneezes. He says that many, many times. He sneezes and falls down. And then he's sitting there. And he goes, Vern, did you see how gracefully I fell? 
<laughs> maybe skydiving is what I should be doing. And then Auntie Nels is like immediately on board. She's like, yes, that's oh. what you should do. Plummet 30,000 feet, seeking gravity with anxious anticipation. I just, Lord, give me the confidence of Ernest P. Worrell. That's yes, my prayer. Amen. A high point in this episode for me. I, I'm really hoping this is what my high point I'm is. I'm sure also. it is. Let's just say it together. On the count of three. Uh-huh. One, two, two three. three. Ernest, Ernest reading Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yep. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> whale meat harpoon. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. But yes, we have talked about how we really would have loved to see Jim Barney playing Shakespeare. That's true. Shakespeare in the Park with Jim Barney would have been amazing. But we get a little taste when Ernest performs a little bit of Romeo and Juliet. Seaburn, this Italian boy and girl fall in love, but their parents find out about it and ground them. But they decide they're going to go steady anyway. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east and Juliet is the sun. Arrive. <sighs> the uncultured little brats in the foxes don't appreciate what they're witnessing at all. They <laughs> just know. start snoring, and I'm just like, you little brats. Yeah. This is the only thing we'll get. This is the closest I'm ever going to come. Ernest P. Worrell, thespian extraordinaire and great Shakespearean actor. What he says is, I'm going to do serious yeah. acting, I'm gonna implying try my- that he's done non-serious acting. Yeah. Well, Ernest isn't an actor. We've, We've had there are many films, there are many films and situations which heavily imply the contrary. Hence podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence podcast. This is, to me, it's like, it's wonderful to see Jim Varney in any context performing any Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a high point. You mentioned Earl the Barber in this episode. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> Ernest goes in. By the way, he wants to look like a Wall Street tycoon. And actually, Go figure. This time I noticed Earl said something when Ernest says that. He says, you bet, Ernest. They're the ones that make all the big deals. Yeah, he aren't does. They? He does. He and goes, I yeah. immediately thought of big deals, which is a, <laughs> a character from Ernest Saves Christmas. Have you ever seen Ernest oh, Saves Lord. Christmas? No. I'll lend You're it to you. To. Yeah. This guy is a trip. It's kind of a big deal. A little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, Earl makes Ernest look like a whale meat harpoon, which is so upsetting. It's Ernest's bald head, so he's basically been shaved, and then there's some hair on the sides, and then just a harpoon sticking through his head. Hair a on big, the big, s- gray, like, square cross-section harpoon bolt thing with a big, like, huge, comical, pointy arrow tip thing on it. It's, yeah. And just hair on the parts where the harpoon goes in and out of the head. It's always just a little bit of this weird curly hair around there. Why bald on top? It's almost as if Earl had to take hair off the top and use that to fashion the other parts of the haircut. Like, how does that? It's all made out of hair. And on the tip of the harpoon is just like a fish hanging off of it. It looks And then like. Earl is combing what hair there is with like a flipper. Aww. With a flipper. Like a like a scuba flipper. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, what is he? I must is that have like noticed big, that. Like I didn't remember that. Big afro pick? Oh no, it's a flipper. Oh God, the My Fight of the Clown segment is upsetting too. Clown Mom kind of looks like April O'Neil. A little. Maybe that's Skeeter, an 80s thing too. Skeeter's going to be in the talent competition. Uh, he's doing some clown bit that I don't care about. Yeah. And Mike applauds heartily. Like, yeah, you're great. And then Eddie's sitting there and he's like, well, what, what can I do? I don't have a talent. And then his mom is like, 
oh, your father will help you. And then it just cuts to his father, like, looking away, like, oh, great. Yeah, Mike has no desire to teach Eddie anything. I got to say, I think it's sadder than that. I think the father, the clown, is actually very, very uh, nervous about this. Like, lost? Yeah, I think he does does not know what to do. Interesting. You're right, he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have a... The only real bone he has in his body is the one where he's admitting to himself that he doesn't know how to deal with a real human being interesting <laughs> how did he end up with this lady so he's he's like oh, oh okay uh let's try it and he stands eddie up and he says hold this pie and then he, he instructs eddie to say hey mister how about a nice cream pie no thanks you have it and smashes the pie onto eddie's face eddie hates everything he's as like, eddie should yeah and mike's like there's hope for this boy yet whoa it's such a dark turn are you happy mom are you it's yeah. so grim it is grim grim is a good word for it that's this this situation is grim yeah who else jackie welch sings about trying to find her talent that's when it's the lady that that makes baby sounds and chicken clucks oh yeah she's pleased she's like i did it i found it actually this is the episode where speaking of jackie welch mrs simon simmons talks about tact oh that's right that's her talent that being a talent within itself and she describes it as being kind without lying which i like and he's she just basically says if things are bad to just say that they're interesting (laughs) if the drink is gross to say isn't that an interesting blend of liquid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I thought was really, really nicely done because she's got that pregnant pause after blend of. Yeah. And I was expecting flavors, or but she just goes fully general. Like, yeah, it's so <laughs> liquids. <laughs> You're right. What's the basest exactly way right. I can describe yeah, this? I'm not even sure these are actually edible. <laughs> Liquids. But they are liquids. Potable liquids. The only thing she's sure of is that they're liquids. But in conclusion, here we come to the end of Ernest's CVS journey. What a trip, man. Ernest decides that he's going to go with ventriloquism, his most successful gift. (laughs) He decides to ventriloquize. He and Woody go off to the talent show. And they're like, how can Ernest win without winning? As it turns out, Woody wins the talent show and Ernest gets second place. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is like, no. <laughs> I forgot about that. No. As, as much as I liked these last few episodes, I was like, well, that's a bad way to end this series. Like, he should come out on top. But it's got to be a cliffhanger. They're thinking they might get a second season. Yeah, oh, that's maybe. possible. You know. Our poor Ernest is just like, I had to settle for second place. What happened to George, man? That guy was on point. Oh, well. You know, George can't win everything. Maybe this they decided this talent was the most original. <laughs> Being a sentient dummy is that the most is original. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ernest <laughs> walks off, and then, like Dracula's coffin, the case that Woody is in, slowly opens, and Woody sits up like a supernatural being, and I don't even remember Which he what is. he says. Something pithy and uh, mean to Ernest. Something mean about Ernest, I'm sure. It just goes to show you. You don't have to be good looking to come in second. <laughs> have you realized that I don't like Woody at all? Woody's a jerk like like most uh like most ventriloquism dummies. Correct. They're all jerks. Act stupid and sound dumb. That's Aww. like his big assessment of, yeah. of Ernest. Poor Ernest. I just wrote, why? Why does it have to end with Woody rising from his coffin? Yeah. What does it all mean, fellows? 
Um, Gosh, I don't know. Well, what's your assessment of the series, Tom, actually? I mean, <laughs> uh, he's just we, shaking his head. We, we, listeners, I, he's shaking his I head. I think we will never know. We understand what, this series what less this is about. having dissected it entirely <laughs> no. than we, we do. Know. I think we can be fairly sure that Vern is older. Yes, right. than yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm We've coming around. things about Vern. Yeah. And yep. I think we can be pretty certain that Ernest and Vern both need each other. Oh, yeah. Yep. They're, yes. Uh, I believe Symbiotic. I believe you called Vern the yin to Ernest's yang. Yeah, at yeah, one yeah. Point. yeah. I think I've settled on a theory about Ernest's father, his uh, parentage. I really like Tom's theory about how did you describe it? Oh yeah, it? the branch like the, the timeline. Branch timelines. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. The multiverse. Yes. Now that's it. Yeah. So that's a theory, and that that works for every episode. If he got, if he goes to get that bagel, then yeah. it's sports. But if he doesn't, it's sliding then it's pets. doors. Now that's crazy. Well, and it's based on, it's maybe based on not what decision Ernest makes, but based on, in this universe, what contest is being held. <laughs> yes. Or what ad is in the paper. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think about Ernest himself, I don't know that we've learned new things necessarily, but we've had reinforcement of things that we kind of already knew. Yeah, he, yeah. He has an interest in acting. He's always trying to better himself and learn new things and figure yeah. out what his purpose is in whatever given universe he's, he's trying- to find that thing that he will finally excel at and gains and he's always trying to gain recognition gain the recognition that he craves and that he deserves i think what Ernest. we can take away for this is hey Vern, it is Ernest. it is Ernest. yeah and it gave us mac and george which i will be eternally grateful for forever that is hey Vern, it's Ernest, listeners thank you so much tom for joining us it's been a pleasure <laughs> absolutely thank thanks you for, for having me throwing yourself wholeheartedly yeah. <laughs> into this. yeah well i realized quickly that the thing would be uh more than the sum of its parts mm. that is another way that i would describe Ernest. actually he is more than the sum of his parts yeah. thank you listeners for joining us for part two of hey Vern, it's Ernest. please follow us on all the social media Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter. Facebook page gets lots of updates. And please rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe. Uh, reviews really help in some kind of algorithm way. You can find us on CompuServe. I believe we're on Prodigy now. Oh, yeah? Uh, AOL keyword Ernest goes to podcast. This is helping, right? Yeah. This is all getting cut out, right? <laughs> no. Okay. And if we missed anything in our discussion of Haver and its Ernest, uh, please feel free to bring it up to us because we will have an Ernest Extra mm. and possibly have a little stuffed guest stuffed guest they made toys for this show man specifically oh, one toy alluding to. Ah, oh yes stuffed guest got it we'll have a little stuffed guest i now know what you mean <laughs> we're gonna kill someone and taxidermy them <laughs> no. no it's gonna be that weird pantyhose and stuffing <laughs> Ernest doll from <laughs> good lord and after the Ernest extra we've talked about it it's been plenty built up it's time for the Worrell family album. Oh, yeah. It's always nice to dust off the old photos. Oh, yeah. Take a look through. So we'll be back. Uh, I'm glad to have finally watched through disc two of this series, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, it was worth the $4 I paid for it. Oh, by yeah. By far. I would just buy this. Get the disc. Ernest is, is a cheap date, yep. and he's, he's super fun. <laughs> you can't ask for more. Yeah. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, Aaron. Goodbye, Thank Tom. Thanks again, Tom. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Viva Lavarni. There's a day for flags and a day for trees. There's a whole calendar just for the Chinese. There's a day for Grant and a day for Lee. So why can't there be a holiday for me? Holidays are all the same. I think they only change the names, but the calendar's the one I blame. Cause he won't give me my own. If these red letter days don't get better days, I'm gonna get me my own.